I believe in divine intervention. Mm-hmm. Whatever you believe, be it God, Allah, anything, any spiritual, I really believe because I literally just, I said a prayer and I was like, God, like, I need to find a way to go home. I just need, like, I need, I need a way that this is going to work out because if I stay here for an, another year, I'm going to lose it and mm-hmm. I, like, I'm not ready for it. And, like, my therapy wasn't helping either mm-hmm. because she's just like, oh, why don't you just leave? And I was like, if I could just leave, I would. But at the same time, how do I tell uh, my parents that not only are they looking on the black market for US dollars mm-hmm. for a mm-hmm. 60K plus tuition, like, how do I just say, oh, yeah, I want to leave? For two years, I was like, there's no way. And I and somehow, like, when I was looking for, like, um, internship positions, like, practicum positions, one of the places I was looking for, out of nowhere, they're like, oh, actually, we're opening up at our new office. And I was like, where's this new office? And they're like, oh, it's in Zimbabwe. And I was like, hey! <laughs> You know what I'm like? Oh. Look at God. Look at God. <laughs> and I was like, wait, oh, wait. And, I, <laughs> and I like, I remember feeling like this is meant to be. Hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad. Perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today, but I'm going to keep it short because as you can tell, this episode is a little long, but I promise it's worth it. My friend Yasha tells us all about her journey coming from Zimbabwe to do undergrad in Michigan and then moving on to grad school in New York where she is currently, and you're going to love it, or at least I hope you love our conversation as much as I did. But before we get into that, I just want to say very quickly that this episode is dedicated to the memory of Professor Anna Norris. She was a French professor at Michigan State University, and she just had a tremendous impact on the entire French department, um, us students included. Um, she taught on French literature, cinema, and also um, the Jewish population in France during the Holocaust. And she just had this sense of humor and, and way of teaching that made you really care about what you were learning. And she also took students to tour or tour in France every year, every summer. And um, she was wonderful. And unfortunately, she passed away in March of 2017. And since Nyasha and I met um, in one of her classes um, and eventually became friends from there, I thought it would be more than appropriate to dedicate this episode to her. So rest in peace, Professor Norris. And um, having said that, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Nyasha Makoni. Oh yeah, I'm ready. I am ready. Okay. Well, you look really pretty as always. <laughs> no work, no school, no nothing. So <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> it's nice until the bills add up and you're like, oh, oh yeah. well, you know, I should, I should probably get a job. How was graduation? You were like, um, you were partying for a whole week, I suppose. You said you had three ceremonies, right? Yo, it was so hard because, like, that week that we we had graduation, mm-hmm. it was the same week I'm supposed to move out. It was literally 
straight after final. So like I handed in like a paper the Sunday before our first graduation ceremony and then it was just like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we're like there was no time to even breathe. Mm-hmm. So by the time like Wednesday or Thursday came through, I had to start packing to move out of my apartment. I was supposed to leave on Saturday. Wow. So and people are still celebrating like, oh let's do this, let's do that, let's celebrate and I'm just like, I need to be out of my apartment. <laughs> Like and even then, I only left on Sunday, and they didn't even care. They didn't know, so I was just like, "Okay, well, that's that." Yeah. Um, it was like crazy. Like it was a lot. Like it was a lot, but mm. yeah, it worked out. Um, um, I think the the next week and a half, I was just sleeping every single day just to catch up on sleep. Right. It was just much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that that helped. Um, it was crazy i'm glad that that's over Mm -hmm. because now i can focus on getting my jobs and everything and like (sighs) it's just it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot but i mean it's still you know i just wanted to say congratulations on finishing grad school i mean that's a big deal you know so you should be really proud of yourself and oh you're so sweet thanks darling i'm trying (laughs) i'm trying here it's hard Oh, I I believe you. I believe you, especially in a place like New York City. I I don't doubt how difficult it could be. <laughs> that face, Bruh. Like you know when like when people say like if you make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And I'm like, no, I believe you because this city will chew you out. Mm. And they're like, thanks for coming. Like you know, you should come again. I'm like, no. <laughs> Wait, so you? Would- I don't. <laughs> you wouldn't want to stay in New York long term? Um, long term? Danielle, no. <laughs> I miss I miss paying four hundred dollars yeah. for it. I miss that. Yeah. Like I think it's like I feel like New York is one of those places where, you know, if you when you're young and you're trying to get your life together, it's definitely a wonderful place to be. Mm-hmm. You're forced to grow up. You're forced to hustle. You're forced to be hungry. Right. And I think it, it gives you an edge wherever you go. Like, I mean, like any big like big city, yeah, you know, you have to be forced to do that. But there's something about New York that really forces you out of your comfort zone. Like, you really have to think about that. And I think it's nice once you fully established yourself and like you're young and everything but long term oh my god I would never do it like I feel like I see people who like if you have lived here like like right now there are lots of people who are like transplants in Mm. the city right but there's someone who has lived here like through the thick and thin of being in this city like it's not a big issue for you to start a family and raise it because you've been here for so long but if you're someone who is who knows what it's like to live somewhere where, you know, you can have space, um, mm-hmm. you can have a car, um, everything is, is clean, and you can actually smell the air without, like, crying. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that's something, in, I think that's so important. I feel like, like, you, like, I miss Michigan so much at times, because I'm just like, really? well, I miss walking. And like, yeah, I miss walking out and and smelling fresh air. Like, yeah. I can smell green grass and like, All the oh, trees if it's and snow. Everything. Yeah, it's when it snows. 
it's white for a period a long period of time it's mm-hmm. for maybe road but it's like in new york it's like it's black everywhere it smells like piss or like garbage and it's like that is the sweet smell of the city you're in and and the thing is you will tolerate because you have so many opportunities to be here so it's like yeah. you're like look yeah it smells like shit but like i'm I'm happy here. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it's a it's very interesting to see what you're willing to um negotiate or to sacrifice for something that you want. Yeah. So I it's it's definitely something I would say like, you know, everyone should have an experience to live in New York. Um because it's it's a big life lesson. Mm-hmm. But at the same time I think if you wanna stay here and have a family, you're probably gonna move outside of the big city and go into the suburbs or like you go to Queens or Brooklyn mm-hmm. and go further up, you know, somewhere where it's more spacious. But like in the on the island <laughs> That's <fake. I'm> sorry. <laughs> You would have to be like living by Central Park or something. And even then that's like no, that's like unaffordable Mm -hmm. so i think that's it's a sacrifice and i think a lot of people feel the way that same way too like a lot of people will commute from new jersey or wherever they are to work here and then go back because that's where there's more space and it's cheaper and i mean i i think if i'm gonna stay here long term that's what i would do Mm. so makes sense well i mean you stuck it out this long and that's like a feat like i feel like I survived the fire. Right, I was exactly. <laughs> I feel like after that, I was like, no, I, I have to stay. <laughs> I need to get my money's worth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But how are you? How's home? Uh, I mean, there's not really much going on, to be honest. Um, you always say that, but I feel like there's, like, stuff. No, not really. Honestly, this podcast is, like, the only real thing I have going for me right now. Girl, bye. <laughs> I mean, my mom's good. My dog's good. I'm okay. Oh, I miss your mom. Your mom cracks me up. How is she? She's <laughs> she's she's good. She's gonna get a kick out of you saying that. Whenever I tell my mom that my friends have compliments for her, she just gets so big in the head. She gets real puffed up. Like, see, see like, you, you always me, complain about me, but your friends always say how nice I am and how fun I am. You shouldn't complain about me so much. <laughs> <laughs> but I can actually hear your mom saying that really. Like, I'm like, dang. <laughs> but no, I'm good. I'm excited. Still nervous to do this podcast thing, but hopefully it'll be good. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. You're lucky number three. You would have been number four. But like I said, I was having issues on Sunday. So, now you're actually number three. <laughs> nah, I take it. I receive it. Give so, me. I would take it. I'm just glad to be able to talk to you and see you again. At least virtually. Because I know it's been a while. Um, and I was just I'm- thinking today. Like, I don't have... I think you're the first and only kind of international student that I have lined up you know everyone else is kind of like you know they're american and they went somewhere else whereas you've been all over the place <laughs> but you're not Girl, I, i'm so ready for this like i'm so excited because this is what i i want i wish more can you 
yes, yes. Okay, you're good now. Okay, good. No, because the the podcast we're trying to do is kind of like you know sharing our experiences abroad, mm-hmm. but not necessarily like um with it like with education and and programs. It's more of like like life stuff, like dating and trying to fit yourself back in being at home and yeah. dealing with the discussions that we don't have. Because, like, in Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe is, like, ultra-conservative. Mm. So things like mental health and, like, sexual assault or dating and, and all those things don't exist. Like, you don't talk about them. But it's, like, you find people are, like, they need those avenues. You find more people are, like, yeah, you know, I don't feel good. I, I, I'm tired of being told this way. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm struggling with depression. And it's, like, parents are, like, really struggling to figure out, like, how do we deal with this? Because our country doesn't have like not even just the infrastructure but like the workforce or the the programs or anything to make these things happen Mm -hmm. and like i think we're kind of just like well we're tired of 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 always being told like this is what we should think so let let's have this discussion especially for young girls like we've kind of had to learn our experiences firsthand and not there was no guidance or everything this has led like to a lot of things like you know like for instance like both me and my friend we're both high school friends mm-hmm. and like we've both gone through like you know sexual assault and we've gone for therapy and like we've gone for all these things and like trying to tell people like you know like I'm I'm struggling because this is what happened to mm-hmm. me and it's like they don't hear you and no do you know what the worst part is like mm. they hear you the one thing that was shocking for me is like especially for women it's like they hear you and they say like well like we all have to go through it and that's heartbreaking mm. to hear like wow yeah. you know you've been down this road and you feel like wow this is something you wish you could never do but then like here you are like you like um i think there was one time when i think it was me and helena or and me like well a group of us like a group of like african girls like i think after an asu meeting at msu and it was just oh we were just talking i was like oh yeah you know like yeah, I've been sexually assaulted. And then she's like, wow, that's really interesting because I've been sexually assaulted as well. And then someone else mm. in the group was like, so have I, and so have I. And we're just like, have you ever talked about it? And like, no, this is like probably the first time. And we're all like, wow, like oh. we've all been through it and this is at home. And like, we're literally talking about it. And the fact that it's like, oh, this is the exact same thing that happened to me. And we have no avenue for that. It's like, mm. we want to be able to tackle those difficult issues in a way that is funny and nice and like great, but also putting it into like people's minds. Like, you know, people are living like this and they're not happy. Yeah. And just because that's the status quo doesn't mean that we should continue taking it. So, yeah. yeah. So hopefully it works out. I don't think it's going to happen in June. I don't think so. <laughs> this do microphone you, already is a sign. Do you it's least, not working. So I'm just like, ah. Do you at least have a name for your show yet? I know you said you and your uh, your co-host hadn't thought of a name yet. Have you come to that decision? No? No. That's okay. I mean, because you want it to be something that you can, like, stick with and that you're proud of, right? Because you're going to have to keep mentioning your show all the time so if you don't like the name or you think it's corny or something then that's that's not gonna that's gonna be a hindrance with whatever you do in relation to the to the podcast so i mean take your time it's cool you know i don't have time girl it'll be fine i'm looking forward to to your show though because i feel like everything you just said you know it's it's valuable to have these discussions and i think i told you before i've never heard any podcasts hosted by people from zimbabwe that i know of 
you know, so, you know, it'll be a kind of a, a need that you can fill, you know? Girl, I'm all about need. Un- unmet need? I'll be Make it work. We'll make it work. Well, um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, wow, I feel like I don't even know where to start because I feel like you just, your whole like journey has been um, just so vast. Well, let's start, let's start with, okay, you're from Zimbabwe, right? Yes, and let then, me get my questions out too. Okay. So I, because I was looking through them today and I was like, yeah, I got this, I got this. <laughs> I, I hope I got this. Pray for me. But, um, and then you, because I met you at MSU while you were an international student, right? So yeah, we had you, in French class. Yes, actually. I remember. <laughs> I saw you and I was like, I, I like, I was like, oh, she looks really cool. Because your hair was orange at the time. Like, it had the same style that you have now, but it was orange. I yeah. And so I was like, oh, she looks really cool. And everyone was, like, talking to you and stuff. And I didn't really know most of the people in class. I'm like, oh, well, she seems to... She seems to be somebody that everyone's cool with, you know, but I kind of just kept my distance because I'm like, I don't know, I guess I was kind of intimidated because it's like, oh, she looks like a really cool girl. I should stay out of her way. So I'm, I have no so idea I why you would feel like that, but like, <laughs> because I remember we had this discussion and I was like, Dan, you know, Danielle, like every time I see you, I'm like, dang, I'm slacking. She's got it. Oh, like no. you would come to, I remember because like, Every class we had, we had a lot of classes together after. I don't know. Did we meet for the for the study abroad meeting first and then we met for class? Or I don't think class- so because I think we met the summer after you had gone to, to tour, right? Yes. Yes. So yes. it was after you came back. And then I guess just because we were in the same level of French, we had a bunch of French classes together after that, you know? Yeah. And I appreciate that because I'm like, dang, I'm like, this girl's been here this oh, whole time. Oh, no. dang it. Hold up. Yeah, so French, we met in French class. And, um, yeah, I, I I don't think I ever actually asked you about your, like, being an international student, you know? Like, had you, had you, was being at MSU, was that your first time coming to the States? Or maybe did you, did you go to high school here and then you just naturally decided to stay for university like how did that work so um coming for college was my first time like leaving the con- the african continent mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. coming to the united states wow. for school or anything like it was like uh, a completely like a a side decision that I think my parents like there was a lot of contention with the decision of me coming to the US um, initially you know I finished high school and the idea was that I was going to start mid school um, immediately after because that's how the system is there's no like pre-professional schooling whatever mm-hmm. and I at the time I I think I always knew that I wasn't ready to go to mid school and I also wasn't ready to commit to to a professional life just yet because I felt like the education system in Zimbabwe, at least back then, yeah. um, is changing now. Um, it was very much like after your your exams when you're 16, um, you kind of go into like advanced level exams, like your A-level exams, and you're basically preparing for your professional career. Mm-hmm. So I said I wanted to be um, a doctor, but I also wanted to be an artist and a designer and all that shit. And they're like, oh, you know, 
you need to um, hone in on that. And the classes clashed. So they were like, you can do arts, but you, if you want to do both, you can't. You need chemistry and biology and whatever to uh, chemistry, biology, and math at least to mm-hmm. do medicine. And if you want to do that and art, it won't work because your biology class clashes with the art class, uh, or your chemistry class clashes with the French class or whatever. And so I, my parents, you know, were like, you need obviously they were like. Don't don't make a silly decision. Arts do not pay. You know you need to do mm. professional yeah. schooling, whatever. And like, and so I I went and I did my my chemistry, bio, and math. And I mean, to be very honest, I think I probably would have done that again because when I finally decided to to go to um, Michigan State, it benefited me because my my scores transferred. They were oh, able nice. to convert, and so I skipped all my freshman classes, all the weeding classes for mm-hmm. chemistry, for math, I skipped them all and I was doing everything as a second year student my first year. So it gave me an opportunity to um, kind of start um, French and stuff. But um, I, I knew I didn't want to to stay in Zim. I felt like it was, like there's a way of life that everyone is accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And as much as I was doing it for my education, I also kind of felt that, well, I didn't want to go to South Africa because South Africa, as much as it's another country, it's really close to Zim. Mm-hmm. And the is very similar and there's so much family there. And so I knew I would always be held accountable to a certain belief system or a certain way of life that I, I kind of hadn't really explored out of. And I'd also applied to the UK. And the UK is very similar to how Zim is in terms of academics and in the education system and I was like well that's pretty far away um, but also I also have family there and I also felt like again it's a similar system and I wasn't ready to really go in, into just yet mm-hmm. and so the US system like gave me an opportunity because you know you can't go into professional school immediately after high school right. you have to professional like schooling and I felt like oh well, you know I, I can do my pre-med and then I can also pick up all the stuff that I kind of gave up in my last two years of high school mm-hmm. so let me let me figure that out so when I when I got into Michigan State I got into like the the College of Natural Sciences and um, I, I my plan was that I was going to do my pre-med and then I was going to add like French classes or um, art classes or whatever classes I wanted to take and that didn't sit well with my parents mm. because uh, first of all it is hella expensive <laughs> to, go to, to go to college in America yeah it is <laughs> and like it's my dad just didn't understand he's like why Why are you wasting your time? You know you want to do medicine. Why are you doing this? And I just didn't have... Because, like, my relationship with my dad was also very, like, different then. Like, it's it's much open now. Mm-hmm. But I also know when, when a parent doesn't like something, it's hard for a, a child to tell them, like, well, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I had to really finesse my dad. Like, well, you know, I'll do medicine, but I can do pre-med and I can do this. And I think I was like, well, this is an opportunity because I also have had scholarships and stuff. I was like, look, I have all these things. It's the school I wanted to get into. It has a great network with med, med, like with hospitals and all that stuff and research. So I was like, this is probably beneficial for me to do. And so after some, some negotiating and, you know, my mom also had to help me because she was just like, 
she knew I wanted to go to the U.S. like the minute I had applied to Michigan State. And Michigan State was the my my dream school. I was like, I want to go there. Yeah. I applied to all these other schools. I applied to Ivy League schools too, but I just they didn't have what I wanted. I wanted Michigan State, and I knew that I was going to get it. And they got me. They were like, no, we want you, and we'll give you. And I even met, I think I even met one of the, the um like recruiters or like the the admissions officers when they came for the international like students like meetup or whatever in Zimbabwe and I went and I Wait, talked to her. They sent they sent recruiters to Zimbabwe? They send like so the office of admissions for certain US colleges mm-hmm. will go to different countries around the world for like um wow. university or college student fairs. And so Luckily, um, one of the ladies who was organizing it, her name is Mrs. Mano. She was a parent at Michigan. She was a parent at, at my high school, mm. and she mm. also worked for Education USA. So she was like, "Well, look, I already come to the school all the time, and so she we usually got first dibs. She used to be like, oh, this is what's going on,' and so she invited us to come to the college fair um, at the." Harare International Students, uh, Harare International School, sorry, mm-hmm. students, look at me. And so we all, we were like, our careers advisor was like, yeah, let's go. And so we went, and all these schools were there. There was Harvard, there was University of Pennsylvania, there was Michigan State, there was University of Michigan, there was any school you wanted to go to that was willing to come to the college fair was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State was there. I beelined. I literally walked <laughs> My name is Nyasha Dashi Makoni. I'm um like a I'm a junior slash senior, like I mean the equivalent of that um in college, and I'm very interested to be at the school. I'm filing my application, so I want you to know who I am. And she was like, Oh, okay. Like I mean, I really wanted to get there. And in fact, when I got my acceptance, I got the official email from the school, but then I also got an email from her saying, like, hey, girl, like you got in. Yeah. <laughs> I was so excited So I knew that I wanted it And I, when I finally got in I I was just so happy Because America was somewhere You know, you hear it all the time Land of opportunity land, You know, all that stuff Like mm-hmm. you you want to you want to go there and at the time things were a little bit different so like i was like yeah i'm gonna go Mm -hmm. and i knew that it was not somewhere that was familiar the uk was somewhat familiar south africa was somewhat familiar all places were somewhat familiar but i wanted to go to the u.s because for the first time i was going to be independent while still gaining my my education in the sense that i was independent of like my parents thoughts or my parents experiences or my family's expectations i was doing this for me and yeah. even that everything i did was i went and and scouted i went and did this i yeah i had to ask my dad like can you pay for me you know for certain things or and i really had to it was the first time when i had to really do something for myself without um someone else telling me what i needed to do or expecting this so it it, it meant a lot for me to come to the u.s and i came by myself too yeah. like i flew myself it was a lot because i mean it's a, it's, an expi- it's an expensive ticket so yeah. i knew i was like this is the first time i'm i'm really really on my own so wow. it, it meant a lot for me wow so wow 
It, and you said that was your first time leaving the continent was when you came? First time leave, oh, well, actually, no. It wasn't the first time leaving the continent, but it was the first time leaving the continent for that amount of time. I see. I, I see. had gone to the UK for, you know, like, I'd gone to the UK twice, but it was, like, for no more than, like, three weeks. Yeah. Okay. You know, that's that's not, like, something, you know, you're, like, you're still going to go home. This is the one time when I was, like, you know, I'm going home for no less than a year. Mm. by myself mm. and maybe then i might go home or something like you know, i was i knew i was committed to this because there was no way like i was going to be going home every break or whatever that was just too expensive to do so i i definitely knew that once i was gone i wasn't going to be coming back for a while yeah wow that's so brave that's <laughs> so brave for you to just go just venture out to something new and and just be like, you know, this is what I want and I'm going for it. Even though you don't, you have like a plan in mind, but you still don't know what's on the other side once you get there. You know, that's so brave. No, I mean, you are so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> but I, I think it, it, I wouldn't even say it's like brave. I think sometimes you get to a point where you're like, I think I got, I started thinking like, okay, you know, I knew where my life was going. Yeah. Because I'd also seen how my parents' lives went and other people in my family. Like, you know, there's a certain pattern that you see when you've been in an area for so long. That doesn't have to necessarily be in Zimbabwe. It could be in Michigan. It could be mm-hmm. in L.A. It could be anywhere else like France, Australia. When you see the people around you and you see how their lives turn out, they especially I was, in a, I was from a small town too. I'm from a small town, a mining town at that. And it's very much like once you finish school, you go to professional sc- high school, you go to professional school, you start working, mm-hmm. and then you start a family, and you do that. And I, 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 and I felt that I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to see what it was like to, to learn somewhere else for a change and what that really meant. I, I had never really been challenged um, oh, outside of wow. my academics. So it was more of like, okay, yes, I'm going there for my schooling, but I also need to know what it's like to live and figure out what I believe in without someone else telling me what I should believe in. Mm. That's good. That's really good. You, <laughs> yeah. No, because that's real, because, you know, um, you kind of had to expose yourself to something else so you could figure out what kind of life you wanted to live. And... Mm. Um, that takes, uh, you know, as determined as you were, I just feel like that takes a lot of courage. So, you know, I just, I'm proud of you for like doing that. <laughs> See, if it wasn't for this, we would have never met. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. If you hadn't taken that chance, you would have never met me or anyone else or had all the myriad of experiences that you had. Wow. Honestly, yeah, it's crazy. So, um, how, so I know you said MSU was your, um, that was like your top choice, but how did you hear about MSU in the first place? So it was, it was very interesting. I don't, to be very honest, like, yes, I did a lot of research, Mm -hmm. but it was very odd how I latched onto Michigan State. Um, I think I always tell people, like, everyone who asks me that question, like, it's always different. But I feel like, um, <laughs> because to be very honest, like, sometimes I want to give them what they want to hear. And sometimes I'm just like, to be very honest, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think um, 
we were researching for schools and I think um, my my high school was a very competitive it still is a competitive high school mm-hmm. in Zimbabwe and so we have a lot of alumni that have gone to Ivy Leagues so yeah. Yale, Harvard, Princeton you name anyone some people were road scholars so mm-hmm. I think there was a mentality that you have to go and apply if you're going to apply outside of the country you have to apply to the best of the best you have to apply to um Leagues only and whatever and for me there was a conflict because i was just like you know first of all there are plenty of great colleges that aren't ivy leagues mm-hmm. but that really pressured me and i think it pressured it when i look at some of the schools that i did apply to i didn't want to apply to them but i felt like i had to mm-hmm. but msu had like i think it came up in just a random search that i was doing i was just looking at what they had and msu had the balance of like having the educational system, the educational pro- programs that were super super competitive, like like there was like a list I had, and would like say competitive, competitive, most competitive, whatever, whatever, and it was like most competitive, and I'm like, okay, like oh I I see this this is great, mm-hmm. and it was also like a state school, so it was a state school that had all these great programs that was well like well ren- renowned. Yeah. And also had all the things that I was looking for because at the time, you know, as I said earlier, I was trying to do pre-med but I also wanted to do arts and everything. Right. And I mean now that I know what the education system in the US is like, I probably could have gone to any liberal arts college and tried to do that, mm-hmm. but I felt like being at Michigan State was important. Yeah. It was in a nice area. It was huge. And coming from, like, tiny schools, I was like, I need to be exposed. I need to know what, what this is going on. So I did a lot of research on that. But I think even before I did that, I kind of saw myself there. I was like, wow, I can be a Spartan. And I have no idea why. Like, I, I have no idea why. But as I researched, I saw what I what I could see and everything. And, like, like I saw what I wanted to see. I also saw the pros and the cons, but I kind of knew that it really made my decision. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was a star power that came from it. But things like, small, random things like, oh, Magic Johnson went there. I was like, wow, oh, I, I didn't know that. Like, oh, that's great. Like, <laughs> yeah. But like, there were things mainly to do with my program and right. also the size of the school and also just how like connected certain things were, even like how the international students office was. The fact that they were so helpful and were willing to listen to what I had to say. Admissions would respond to my things at the time, you know. Like, it would it take some time? Yes, it did. It was slow mm-hmm. at times, but when I did get a response, I felt like you know it was helpful. And I think because I had an in when I finally met the one of the office, um, the admissions officers, like I felt like well, you know, I. I've made a connection with these people on a personal level and they're willing to listen to what I have to say. And so um, I think that's what really got me. Wow. Um, there were some other colleges that I did get into that were smaller and nicer. Like they also had an impact on me too, but I I just knew that I didn't want to be in a small college and I didn't want to be in a college that, you know, I like it was a little bit far away and there wasn't like a big hub. I just like, I wanted to be at Michigan State University and to this very day, like, I mean, I wear my MSU clothing almost religiously (laughs) and I think it's a problem sometimes because I will sleep, eat, go to gym, do whatever I need to do. And it's just just the pride I have in the school. Yeah. Um, 
Will I say everything is perfect about the school? No. Obviously. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'll probably, probably discuss some of the experiences I had at MSU early later on. But mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to go there. And I think it was just like, I think it was fate. I think sometimes it's fate. Sometimes it's hard work. I think yeah. it was a bit of both. Okay. And I, I wanted to ask, so um, I don't know how it works in Zimbabwe when you're trying to go to school in a different country. Did you apply directly to each school or was there some sort of system you could use where you could like click a button and apply to a whole bunch of schools at one time? Like, How did that work? So we were fortunate that we had a career um, advisor mm-hmm. that was, she was awesome. Oh, oh my gosh. I love her. This day, Miss Lloyd. <laughs> but she's not, she's not my... Um, but like so we had to abide to the US system okay. um, any like with any um, school system or any country system there's a certain way of doing it so like yeah. the U- the UK has UCAS um, the US has Common App mm-hmm. um, all those things so we had to apply to those things directly and then we would also like liaise with our school offices and like our career advisor who would have not only our recommendation letter, we had to ask for those, we had to get all those things and everything. And she would have like files in her office for each student applying. Mm-hmm. So she would know the list of schools that we were applying to, if we we're applying on the common app, if we we're applying on certain things, and then she would send them out deliberately or like to upload them or whatever she needed to do. Yeah. So we literally abided the same systems that anyone else in the US or anyone else would be doing. Okay. Um, I think what made things a little complicated would be the issue of like, for instance, we we don't have SATs. We don't need to take SATs and stuff or like certain exams for certain countries or whatever. And so we would have to take them and we would liaise with like Ooh, the US yeah. um, Education USA, um, which is part of the United States Embassy in mm-hmm. any country, like they would like have programs and like, okay, well this is what you need to do and they would have classes and everything. And so you would have to like register with them and then they would provide the SAT um, exams and stuff. So that's what we had to do. Um, so it made it easier, but it, you kind of have to abide to what the country sets. Yeah. Um, if they say international students do something different, then that's fine. But usually, if someone in Oklahoma is applying you this that way, you're probably gonna have to apply the same way too. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Um, <laughs> this is all just so fascinating because I don't think as many international students as there are at MSU and as many as I knew while I was there I never asked them like how how did you get here like what was the process so I'm just this is totally new to me so I'm grateful you didn't <laughs> ask how did you get here well no I wouldn't have said it like that <laughs> <laughs> there's some people who would literally ask like what transportation did you take to get here and it's like I swam across <laughs> Like that's the easiest way I could like. And I mean, and and that's the thing is because I mean, especially coming from developing countries, we have certain obstacles. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I'm much more fortunate than a lot of people. I'm very privileged. I went to private schools. I did all these things, so my experience of applying wasn't too difficult. Yeah. Um, obviously, but like I have I have friends who do not have the same resources that I did that had to do 
like have to go above and beyond just to to apply. They would have to go to internet cafes. They had people sponsoring them, trying to pay for their, um, you know, applications and like trying to figure out how to do this. And like, you know, it's it's a lot. It's not easy for everyone. Like, I think my experience is definitely a much nicer, you know, palatable experience, if you will. But there's also a nitty gritty for like, you know. If, for instance, if the money in your country is not corresponding to the money in the U.S. and some, and you need a waiver for your for your application fee, mm-hmm. sometimes you won't get the waiver. What are you gonna do then? What are you gonna ask? What else? That's something that a lot of people don't realize. And like, you know, if you have people who are willing to help you, and like, you always try and reach out. Like, I feel that's something you need to. Like, if you don't have people helping you, it makes things harder. But yeah. if you're willing to ask people like, hey, you know, I need this information. Can you help me with that? I've heard that you also are someone who represents this school. Can you tell me what I need to do? And like, and so on and so forth. And also reaching out to those schools too, because sometimes like, you know, they will probably give you more solutions like, oh, okay, fine. We can give you this. We can do this. We can do this and you can do this. And I think that's really important. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree. There's only so much you can do on your own, especially when you're trying to make such a big change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I also just realized that I forgot to do what I usually do at the beginning of these things. I forgot to ask you to introduce yourself. Oh! <laughs> you so, know what? I, we're old friends catching up, so yeah. it's been a while. Right. But yeah, um, <laughs> I am... Nyasha Makoni. Uh, my full name is a little long, but if you want to hear it, it's Nyasha Zashe Charity Makoni. Uh, good friend of Danielle's. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I am currently in New York. I just graduated from my master's program at Columbia University. I was studying at the Mailman School of Public Health. Um, and I was studying health policy and management with a global health focus. Mm. So this is me. Yay. And what did you, what were your majors at MSU? So my majors at Michigan State, um, I had a Bachelor of Arts Mm -hmm. in French and a Bachelor of Science in Human Biology, also doing pre-med. Wow. So awesome. Struggling. I had a BA in French too. I didn't know, for some reason it didn't compute that you were getting like dual degrees. It doesn't surprise me at all now that you mention it, but I just didn't think about, oh, what is Nyasha going for? So, yeah, we both got no, BAs in I French. Speaking, <laughs> like, I remember speaking to you because I think you were doing a dual, dual degree program, yeah. right? Well... Well, the way it happened, I wasn't necessarily trying to do dual degree. It just so happened that by the... Because I was in Madison, right? So, mm-hmm. with the classes that I was taking, um, it just worked out to that... Um, I quali- By the time I got to senior year, I qualified for two degrees. So I went to, was it Gansler? And she was like... Yes, Jennifer Gansler. It was either either Gansler or Judge, who's in um, Madison. I'm pretty sure it was... I can't remember. It was one of the two. And they were like, okay, well, looking at these credits, you qualify to have a a dual degree. Or you can have a degree in both this and this other thing. Do you want both degrees? And I was like, 
Yeah, sure. But I wasn't like, I wasn't planning. I was just focused on majoring in what I wanted to major in. And I knew I'd get a degree at the end of it, but I wasn't planning on getting two degrees. That's just kind of how it worked out. Because with Madison, they always want people to be like interdisciplinary, especially as it comes to like languages and stuff like that. So it just, for me, it just worked out that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, because I think the, 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 a few weeks after you had just gotten your, like declared as a dual degree mm-hmm. I'm, I was I remember this very clearly because I was talking to you and I was like dang like you know I've been taking all these credits I think I should just do something about it and you're like you can do a dual degree program and I was like wait what and I, I think <laughs> after that conversation because they're just like yeah I know I'm doing this and I was like what am I I ran to <laughs> Glanzler's office and I was like you need to change this right. because I'm not paying these credits not for not for degrees. not just like, I'm not getting one degree. I'm getting both of them because funny enough, even though I came to do human bio and pre and pre med, yeah. I enjoyed my French classes so much yeah. that I sped through all my courses for French, and I would just take. And take and yeah, take same. and it hit me that I was actually taking more than my minor, and I finished all my French courses before I finished my human bio course. And I was like, so you what? might as well get the degree at that point. Why not? And I remember because I think to a certain extent, I was so excited by about doing French that it actually held up my GPA mm. because every single semester. There's one class I always knew I got a full point in, and that was my French. And w- w- say what you want about going whatever, but I enjoyed it so much yeah. that I would really try. I think my last year, that's when I was really struggling. Like, my last year was really difficult, mm-hmm. but even then, I, I had so much fun with it, and I felt like that was the only way I could get through my semesters at certain times. So I was like, I have to do French. I have to do this. So it was very interesting. Now, I was, I was going to get that degree. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm going to get that degree. That's good. To be honest, I don't remember that conversation you just mentioned, but I'm glad that yeah. I was able to help you out. I'm glad yeah. either way. I remember it very clearly. Because <laughs> it wasn't for you, I wasn't going to get it. And I think afterwards, I was like, wait. And then you'd hear people like, no, I'm doing that too. And I was like, dang, like, I've been in the dark <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> well, you found out when you needed to and got it, you know, all worked out and everything. So it's good. You weren't in the dark you know the whole time because that would have been the same if you graduated and been like wait i could have what no one said that i could you know but no, that's my what you said of how you have to like seek stuff out on your own especially like when you're a university student so you know luckily no. you had people to be like hey you know we're all doing or right. all not maybe not all of us but you know you can like do since you've already gone this far might as well get the extra degree if that's what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, I think my my dad would because I think in sophomore year, um, my dad just was not happy with the amount of because I mean yes, I had scholarships, mm-hmm. but my dad still had to fit the bill for the rest of it, and it was just too expensive. Yeah, and he was just like, why why are we doing this? And I think. He like he really he was ready to pull me out of school. Like I mean, he was like, "We're gonna just find you another school in in South Africa and do." And I was like, "No, mm. I fought so much to get there." Like 
And so that was like really a wake up call for me. So I think after that, I was like, no, I need to get the best, like whatever I can out of this program. Because like if he's willing to pull me out now and like we were, and at at the time, I think we'd already laid down like a good $30,000 for this, 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 a semester or something like that. Like, and I was just like, you know, I was like, oh no, 30,000 a year. Because I had scholarships covering oh, okay. the rest. That's good. <laughs> I was like, thank God. I was like, oh. and I was like, wow, he's he's ready to to turn back on the money that he has just spent. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, probably now was the right time if I wanted to save money in the future. But I was like, no, like I've enjoyed this experience so much. I'm not gonna let it happen. So um, I really wanted to t- get the best that I could out of this the school. Like, I mean, if, as much as I could. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you did. I feel like whenever I saw you, at least on a, in on a like um, in social aspect of being in school, I just feel like you were always somebody that people gravitated toward, and like like everybody. Um, I'm not trying to hype you up or anything. I just remember, especially in like French classes, like everyone knew everyone knew Nyasha. Everyone talked to Nyasha. Everyone was happy to see Nyasha, and I just thought that was. Like, I don't know, there's something about you where people wanted to be around you. So, it. Um, I mean, I'm sure that helped in terms of being an international student, you know, and being on your own. Having people who, you know, wanted to be your friend and stuff. I'm sure that helped oh. to not be so lonely, right? That I'm assuming. <laughs> like I, I appreciate, it. and I think I liked being around a lot of people too. I like mm-hmm. being around my classmates. I like, obviously, I like being around you because we used to, we used to enjoy ourselves in our. <laughs> but like, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, I like being with people that I was with or getting to know people differently because I mean, yeah, I, you know, I was an international student and all that jazz, but I really wanted to. I've always liked being around people. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with, with with limitations, like I can't be around people all the time. Right. But I love being able to, to learn with people that I would have never been able to learn with. I like listening to people's stories and what it took to get there and like what their normal was like compared to my normal. And just learning what it meant to really enjoy being with other people and just... Learning what what different people think about different things, right. and I think it it pushed me outside of my comfort zone too. Because I feel like for a long time I I was so used to being told a certain narrative that now I was in a place where it my narrative was not the typical norm. I was now in a foreign place. Everything is wrong. The English is different. <laughs> you know, even things like that, like certain. Just even asking for, for you know, a serviette. What's a serviette? Oh, oh, a napkin. Oh, okay. Like you know, like yeah. Like you know, every day was a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were good things about it, but there were also some difficult things about it too. Um, one, you're an international student, so and especially like being Zimbabwean. I think at MSU was difficult too because there weren't that many Zimbabweans there, mm-hmm. and. If you if you're from Zimbabwe, you know there's a, a certain cult, like societal thing like you know you don't really mix a lot with people outside of a certain class or a certain um I mean that happens everywhere right. but I think 
you know, when you're now outside of the country, you're forced to mingle with people who you probably wouldn't mingle with right. outside of the country. And I think that was really good for me. I enjoyed that because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I, no, no one cares that I went to this high school. No one cares that, you know, this person is my dad or no one cares about, you know. And I appreciate that because it made me check myself and also made me really become more empathetic to other people and really learning what people want and what people appreciate and everything. But at the same time, there weren't a lot of us. So things like, you know, cultural things like were appreciated, but often. And there was sometimes when I was like, wow, you know, I wasn't really great at speaking my my mother tongue, but I missed listening and hearing, Mm. you know, my mom on the phone or like, you know, my dad talking to me or like the fact that, you know, I had sun most of the year and like Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and you came to Michigan too, so that's really too No, no. Like, <laughs> I thought that was a winter baby and then Michigan just hit me. Right. I was like ah! never. <laughs> never. But I, I, I mean it, it was a growing experience yeah. and I, I you know, I enjoy I think that's why I enjoyed I wanted people to feel welcomed when I was there because I knew what it was like to feel out of place a lot. And sometimes I would, I would like smile and like, yeah, everything is fine. But I was really like going through and I was like, I don't, I don't want people to know that I'm going through because what difference does it make if, if they know this, I only have this like opportunity right now with them. So let me live in the moment and let me enjoy that. And then if it will help me, if it helps me feel better, then that's fine. If it doesn't, then like that's for another day. But there were, there were some great experiences and then there was also like really tough like consequences of that. Yeah. How um how often did you speak to your parents or your family in general back home? Um, I think the first few days, um, like, um, first I had to get a phone. Yeah. So that was a little bit hard, but I think I was talking to them like almost every day, um, be it on Facebook or whatever, some form of messenger or something. And um, I was talking to them, like, I think almost every day for the first, like, week or two. And then at the same time, I was like, finally, I'm free. And I just, <laughs> like, I disappeared. Um, I disappeared for a bit. And then I think my mom was just like, what is going on? Like, you're not talking to us. And then I realized that quickly, that's not the way to do it. So. Um, I started getting into a pattern where I would talk to them every two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. And now, um, like, I mean, that was like m- my first year. There are times when I would go like a month or something without talking to them. And even then, I think it was more of like the grind of school and like trying to figure out myself and everything. Yeah. But I think my parents always made, sh- my, my parents always made sure that like, it would never go no more than a month at all. And even a month, I think the, that was like one one particular incident where like I think things were just really hectic for everyone and we just forgotten. But like my parents would always make sure they texted me. Like I, I think I get texted like every week, if not like every two weeks or something like that. So if I wasn't video calling them, I was getting messages. So we stayed in contact a lot. And I think it was also because I'm their only kid. So they're like, our kid is abroad yeah. and she's on her own. Why did I always assume you had like siblings? We've had this discussion. I know we because, have. 
we we're both only kids if i'm yeah. if i'm great in my head yeah. though i still imagine you having like anyhow anyhow i don't know what that's about no. but yeah you're an only <laughs> child just like me you're an only child yeah yeah i think there was like always a pressure of that because um i've always been super super protective yeah i was in boarding school for a long time even though i was away Mm -hmm. from home months and it's different when someone's like well our kid isn't a driving distance away our kid is like a whole flight or two away a good swim away if you will um (laughs) so yeah i mean i i tried to keep in contact with my parents, I and I still do. I think um, I talk. I think I talked to my parents this week. Um, I, I, if I'm not talking to my parents like they would like, hey mom, how? I will tag them in something like, yeah. oh look at this. And so I, I, I've always had that um, relationship with my with my parents. Um, okay. But there were times when I literally just kept quiet for a bit because I just I needed to just figure out my stuff on my own. Fair. Everybody needs their um, solitude from time to time. You know. How how often did you go back home? Did you go there? Did you go back to Zimbabwe during the summers, or um, during the summer? Yeah. I mean, Uh, like, when did you when when you did go back to Zimbabwe? When did that occur? So, um, I went. I think my first year. I went after the first year. Because I think um, I think it was just agreed that you know it's your first time being ho- away from home for so long, so you're definitely coming back after your your first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think mm-hmm. I went during the December break. Um, I think after that, like um, we kind of had an argument that December break, my first December break, and that's when I was saying like you know my dad thought it was too expensive oh, and everything no. because I mean I went for home during Christmas, so one flights were really expensive um and i think there was a lot of like well you know we don't know how much you're gonna get from this and it's so expensive and we're thinking of taking out and i think that moment was like wow like okay this is this is my dream and now it's like they want to take it away so Mm. um i kind of told my parents like okay if it's about everything being expensive i'm not coming home until 2015 um and that was in 2013 yeah. so they're like i'm not, i was like i'm not coming home until the end of 2015 um so say put your money to my tuition i'm gonna get two jobs everything so like my mom and my dad were like okay you're being dramatic but i'm really i was not being dramatic because i remember the the minute i came back it was like the snow apocalypse and i was just like <laughs> no <laughs> like and i finally got um, back on campus and I found I got two jobs I got a job at the international student office and then I got one as an intercultural aide mm. and I, I kept my promise I was like I'm not gonna go home unless I really need to so mm. it ended up becoming every two years every two to three years pretty much going okay. home and I, I mean I saved a lot of money because of that and that was my my biggest concern. I was like, I want to, I want to make sure I can afford to actually go to school and do all the things that I want. But, right. um, you know, if I don't really need to go home, um, I won't. Right. And yeah, it, it was a big sacrifice, but that was the pattern I ended up creating. Mm. <clears throat> How long is it flying from Zimbabwe to Michigan or Zimbabwe to New York? Like, so so um Zimbabwe to Michigan is a little longer obviously. Right. Um uh, it's like 
you fly from let's say if you're if you're smart you'll fly out of detroit because lansing is is that small leg is not worth it just take the bus to the airport and you'll be fine mm-hmm. um so i from detroit you'll probably connect somewhere be it jfk chicago um the o'hare airport or the dc the Washington Dues Airport or something like that so you connect there so that'll be like maybe depending on where you are two three hours something like that and then from there you'll connect somewhere else and all that stuff so it can range from like 24 hours to like a good 30 something hours depending on the connections you have the easiest flight I think I have to say the easiest the fastest flight would be from JFK straight to um um, Johannesburg or Tambo Airport that would be like a 14 hour flight and then mm-hmm. a one and a half hour flight to Arare that's probably the quickest one I've had Okay. Um, but the layover is probably a bit difficult like maybe like two three four hours layover but so it's the fastest one the longest one I've had was like a good 30 something hours um, and I flew from Detroit to I'm trying to think. I flew from Lansing, then to Detroit, then to Detroit to to France, mm-hmm. then to France to Kenya, then to Kenya to South Africa, and then to South Africa back home. It was like something funny like that. Or Kenya straight down. Like it, it was a lot, mm-hmm. and I don't wish that on anybody. <laughs> um, I don't wish that on anybody. Mm-hmm. But it's either you're either connecting in France or Amsterdam. So okay. it depends on where you're going. Yeah. There are not a lot of direct flights to Zimbabwe. I think it's because of the political climate and a lot of things, but like and just the the relationships that the the airports the airports or the, the government specifically has with other countries. So not a lot of countries fly directly from um zimbabwe like they used to Hmm. so it's a sacrifice right and um at msu were you i know you were in an apartment at least your last like couple of years right yeah were you ever in the dorms or were you in an apartment the whole time no, um, I was in the dorms. So I was like an intercultural aide, kind of oh, like that's right. an yes. aide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like for like focusing mostly on diversity in inclusion, right? Because yeah, there's a lot, there was a lot of politics about that, but about that position, and I'm pretty sure there still are a lot of politics about that position now, given the current political climate. Right. But that's not what we're doing today. We are discussing. <laughs> we're, we're discussing. I. I was um, an intercultural aide, and so I lived in the dorms for the first three years of my, uh, well, for the the three years, the first three years, yeah, mm-hmm. of my college career, and then my last year, I, I stopped being an intercultural aide, and then I lived off campus. Okay. So, um, first year, I was just a simple freshman, living my life, the usual, and then um, I was working um, in the dorms. And like talking to students and making sure they went to events and like just figuring out how their lives were. Um, my sophomore and junior year, okay. so that was an interesting experience. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I just um, listening. I already had this impression, but listening to you talk about it, it seems like you really had like as full of an experience at MSU as you could. I was getting my money's worth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I wasn't gonna be playing around. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to come with the receipts. Yeah. <laughs> to explain what I was doing. <laughs> oh my goodness. But um I can't believe I almost was gonna skip over it, but you mentioned how much you enjoyed French and so you actually spent was it a whole summer in tour? Um, yeah, I spent a whole, yeah. whole summer in tour. Um so I think that was um after my after my freshman year actually. Okay. So um I went there. Um that was very fun. It was the the most frightening experience and the most exciting. It was most frightening in the very beginning like maybe an mm-hmm. hour into it Why because it hit me that for the first time in my entire life my big mouth could not save me because I <laughs> have the language or the capacity to fully explain myself out of things. Yeah. You know, I couldn't just be like, oh, hi, you know, like, I couldn't do that. I literally had to stay, like, I was so scared mm. to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to do And, like, I remember my, my host dad, oh, my gosh, I really do need to talk to them soon. I, I, I miss them so much. Um, but he was just like, he... He, I could. The good thing is, like, I could listen and I could pick up words and certain things. Yeah. But you know, he was like, you know what? Don't be afraid to speak, because the only way you're gonna learn is if someone helps you and corrects you. You keeping quiet will not improve your French. Right. And I knew it, but I think I was so used to trying to be. I'm a perfectionist. I've always been one. Yeah. And like the idea of being criticized, mm-hmm. like I mean. My dad still tells me I'm not good at criticism and everything, but I was like, you know, what? I'm much better than where I was before. The idea that I, someone was gonna tell me that what I said was wrong, scared me so much. Within that first hour, finally arriving into, mm-hmm. and then it hit me. I was like, Nyasha, let's be real. If this was another language, if this was like you know English or Shana or something, that's something that you've been living with your entire life, mm-hmm. it would be different, but. This is the one time where you really know you. You are at rock bottom. <laughs> Your school, you are like, and the thing is, like, I knew I was good in my classes, but this one, it's one thing learning something on paper and yeah. actually using it, like, yeah. in new life. Mm-hmm. And that's that is when I was like, you know what? I'm not even gonna hide it. I know I'm not good at this. <laughs> why am I? Why am I trying to deny this? And I, I think after like the first week. Mm-hmm. I like you know I spoke the most broken French mind. I I spoke and I was confident about. It. I was like, look, I don't. And when someone corrected me, I'm like, oh yes, vraiment, yeah, yeah, I got this, I got that. And it was so much easier because I that that pride just mm-hmm. left the window. I was like, look, this is this is something I need to know because yeah. if I'm going to survive here, I need to know that I don't know how to speak it. How can I say to someone who's a native speaker? Yo, like, what you're saying to me is not right. I have no idea what they're talking about. Like, so I, I, I was very open to it, and it helped me so much because within three weeks, I was becoming almost fluent, mm. and I was very comfortable speaking with people, and I could speak in a formal and informal way, and I appreciated it because some people, like, even you know, like when we had new host kids coming in. Yeah. I would be helping them out too. And I was just and I said the same thing my host dad said to me. I was like, Don't be afraid to speak. Mm-hmm. We're here to help you. And this is the one place you know that no one will care. Yeah. 
So we are here. And like, it, it made me feel so good knowing that I was not just sharing the wisdom that I had gotten with, with my host dad and my host mom mm. and like sharing it with like, you know, my, 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 few, my friends and my hosts siblings too it was it was a great experience yeah sounds like it wait so y'all y'all were in host families the whole time yeah so okay we we had host um parents and stuff and man i had the best setup like yo like i lived on one of the busiest streets um in Turk. i lived in rue nationale um i had my own room my room was like huge mm. It had a little patio. I had everything I needed. Like, um, I got to, you know, our host parents were so sweet. They were an old French couple. They had, you know, they they were they had a really nice apartment. They had like it was kind of like separated. So they had the host kids area. Then they had the main living area with the dining table and the kitchen. And we had the freedom. We would just walk up and down the 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 floors and everything and they every every dinner and everything was set up properly like because i think with host with hosting like you know you pay mm-hmm. for your hosting experience and i think they had done it for so long that they knew that they wanted to have a family experience and so they um that it was a monsieur and madame Roy, mm-hmm. and they had their their little um um, grandchildren that would come up too. They would had Justin. I remember them, Justin and Valentin. And they would come and like every dinner was set up. We always had um, a starter, um, mm-hmm. a main course, um, the cheese and bread, the wine and dessert. Every every dinner was like that. And they would wait. You had always, you had dinner with them like every day. Yes, That's we awesome. had dinner. With them. Everything we had breakfast with them too. Like they had done it in such a way that they were like, "Okay, breakfast is at this time yeah. every day, um, on Monday to Friday, and then Saturdays. Like you can do whatever you want, or it's up to you if you yeah. want to get breakfast or not. But dinner was always a, a set in stone thing. Lunch was for Anas, but like dinner was set in stone, and they made sure that it was always set in stone because they knew that it was something that brought everyone together. That's and so, so my first, yeah, no. Oh no! Sorry. My first. Oh no! Sorry, sorry. No, I was um, just saying. First... I'm sorry. I keep talking over you. You said. No, no. I think we're both. No, speak, speak. <laughs> I was gonna say it because I don't know if it's just because I was in Paris and you were in in Tours. Like I don't know if maybe the the people are nicer where you were, but we were told not to, like, not to be offended if our family didn't seem that warm to us because, like, um. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, French people are very particular about who they let in. Like, it takes longer to be considered, like, a friend or be considered close. And so they were like, don't really expect to have meals with your host family because um, you're not really... Like, you're a guest, sure, but you're not really part of the family. So I was fortunate that my host family would let me have dinner with them occasionally. Um, but then I know other students who their host family, like, they almost, like, barely talked, let alone had a meal together. So I'm just listening to you talk about how y'all had meals together every day. And I'm just like, that is so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I think, I think my, um, I would say my host family. Yeah. Like, 
I think it was a great experience and I think because we meshed really well mm-hmm. as like host kids and host parents, it actually became like a I remember I had friends of mine as well in like one of like I do you remember Mariela? Is she the one who was Mexican? Um she was like a uh, Filipina and oh. Italian. Like she, Alessandra, she used to play she was like in um the music school as well, but she was taking French. Oh my gosh. I think if I saw her face I would remember her. Yeah, yeah, no, but she's also like she's actually just graduated um here like in New Jersey, like nearby. So like Ooh, I talked to her a lot. But like I remember her experience was really bad. In mm. the same thing, like she had to be moved to another host parent. So it's it yeah. really is the the family you're with. Mm-hmm. And I mean I was I was preparing like to cook and eat by myself. Like I was like, Okay, yeah. well and they were like, No, we want you to have a great experience. We've done this for a long time. And so every room had, um, they knew th- that this was an educational experience as well. Mm-hmm. So every room had like a list of things that we could do, whatever we wanted to do, like, um, oh, how, when to eat, if you wanted to do laundry, where you needed to put it. Mm-hmm. Like it was an amazing experience. And it ended up becoming kind of like the, like, an aspirational position because I remember I would talk to my other friends and like other host friends were like, dang, like this family is great. Like <laughs> they have such a great relationship with their students and they have a great relationship with like the host, um, host parents. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's something we should do. So, um, they had been doing it for a while. And I think they were also fortunate that they, they had lived very affluent lives too. And they had done a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And so they mm-hmm. retired very nicely. They're like, we want to continue doing this, and I and I appreciate that yeah. uh, because they, I never felt at all like I like I never had to worry about anything. Like sometimes I'd come home at like two, three in the morning, <laughs> and at breakfast or something, my host dad would be like, so how was last night? Right. <laughs> And just laugh. And it's not like I had a father figure who was still also. It was nice because he was the cool dad. Mm-hmm. Like my my host dad and my host mom. Like they would wake up every morning super early, crisp white shirts, everything. He would go and buy. Like you would cook. Our host dad used to cook a lot, and my host mom used to like you know she used to cook as well. But like I remember him cooking the most, and every morning. He would wear a crisp white shirt with amazing khakis, cologne, <laughs> hair combed back, beard. So I was like, where are you going? He's like, no, I'm just going to the market. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, I mean, I had an amazing experience. And I think it really it really pushed me to, t- again, take advantage of that experience. Because I was like, well, you know. And I also, when I came, I also had just come back from home. And so I had bought like gifts for my host parents because that's a cultural thing. Like when you're going to to a new place, you bring a gift or a token. And so I bought these really nice wooden um, bowls mm-hmm. and a little a little like a uh, ornamental drum, like a tiny tiny one. Yeah. And I remember giving them to them. So I, like I mean, from the get go, I think we all were really 
Like we really cared for each other that way. And like even for my birthday, they got they didn't have to do anything. I didn't expect them to do anything. But they got me this really fancy gateau. Mm. And we had escargot. And escargot is expensive. Mm-hmm. So like they didn't have to do that. But I think there was a general love and appreciation for that. And also our our professor, Professor Norris, like Oh, may may she rest in peace. Rest like in peace, she yeah. was another mom too, and I think oh, yeah, I she loved her. she was amazing, so amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like I remember, like she always made sure that whatever happened we were always safe. Mm-hmm. And because she was so good friends with my host parents and everything, I had not only my host parents looking out for me, I had Professor Norris looking out for me. Yeah. I had Professor Norris looking out for everybody. Like we, right. it felt great, and that experience. I if I could do it again, I would. Yeah, I, it was so amazing. That's good. So okay, so you were staying with the host family, and then were you in class every single day? Just taking yeah. French classes every single day. Yeah, so we took classes every single day. There were usually grammar and French classes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then, like, I think the first, the first half of the study abroad was like simple classes, like the history of France and the history of the region. A lot of, you know, field trips and yeah. fun stuff. You yeah. know, the, the touristy things, you know. And then yeah. the second yeah. half was now, like, we're doing classes every day. We're, like, we're... I mean, we had classes every day, too, there. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think they were, like... They were chill. And our professors were so fun. So, I mean, <laughs> it was it was nice just to be there. And we were with other students who were also studying there. Some people were studying at the institute for for a longer time and some people were just there for like two months like we were mm-hmm. um and it was it was di- like we got more intense in terms of our studies on the second half yeah and now yeah. it's like we're, we're taking exams and we're doing everything so people were taking the b like if you qualified you'll take the b delf exam some people were taking the c delf and everything mm-hmm. like it was like you know there was now more intensive um i feel like i was Serious, but not serious enough to take um, DALF exams mm-hmm. because I also had, you know, classes. We had study abroad classes from Michigan State. Right, yeah. So yeah. I think it was more of like, okay, well, maybe let me just enjoy this. I'm, I'm, and then the time I didn't really know if I wanted to take the DALF exam. So I wish I, I, I wanted to qualify because at the same time I was just having too much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, <laughs> I also feel like um, I wanted to just really enjoy the experience that I was having yeah. then. So, I mean, it was good. So, everything, there was a lot going on. There were so many students there. So, you met students from around the world during that summer, just coming to that institute specifically for, mm-hmm. for like, yeah. furthering their French education or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you were in the, the Loire Valley, right? So, you did you visit the castles that were around there and all that? Oh yeah, we <laughs> visited castles and vineyards and like everything. Yeah. Um, some of them I don't remember because they were difficult to pronounce at the time. That's, I'm pretty that's sure. Okay. <laughs> like we went to like Chenonceau. We went to um, what's the other one that we went to? Um, Chateau Azelarido or something like that. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm butchering it, but like there were a lot of. There were a lot of castles we mm-hmm. went to. Tons of castles yeah. we went. 
um, we went to a lot of vineyards like Vouvray and all that just like because the area was known like it was kind of like like known as like the playground of like the old wish mm-hmm. people like during the time the the the, the monarchy and everything so mm-hmm. it made sense and like it had some of the best wines and everything um there was this one little like open air bar um in Tour called La Ganguette mm. bomb bomb <laughs> like, bomb uh, we I'm pretty sure the amount of fun I had and the amount of wine I consumed mm-hmm. during that period of time will never be consumed again it's too it's impossible not like it's too much like I had so much fun we had wine tastings and cheese tastings and we 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 they the one thing I like about study but like anyone can say that about study but it's like you're able they a lot of people are able to incorporate fun things, but actually teach you a lot about the culture in the same way. Mm-hmm. That's the fun thing. Yeah. Like we learned, like as we're doing cheese and wine tastings, like how certain flavors paired with anything. Like I feel like I came, I came back so much more refined, and so much more like, you know. I knew what I wanted. Like I had, like this is my style. This is whatever. And I mean, maybe that's how it is for everyone who goes to Europe. I don't know, but I remember <laughs> feeling like, okay, I know what goes with this. I know what this means. I know why. Why? What's the context of this thing? Mm-hmm. Why? Like, like, and we also learned about the politics of us, like how it shaped the way it is. Why its history is like that, and how it impacts the different countries in the region and around the world, mm-hmm. and obviously the things that we never really got to discuss of like you no know, negative things about like what France is done, obviously because you know you are uh, uh, you're being hosted by certain people and everything. Not everything is about the negative stuff and everything, but I think because we were also studying France and French culture in our program eventually we got there you know yeah. you you don't want to tell everyone like oh everyone's business the first day you meet them so <laughs> I mean, that was great yeah so it, it helped a lot it was an amazing experience um it was it really made me think more about who i present myself as mm-hmm. and what i want to do and how i want to do it because for the first time in my life, I was learning old. It was a completely different culture, like completely. Like mm-hmm. I had no understanding about what it is. I just knew that oh, French culture is posh. But it was <laughs> the one time I actually had to really experience it firsthand, and right. then it made me open up a lot to other cultures too, as well. Mm. Didn't um, didn't you and Florence like go to the south of France during that time too? Yes, yeah. we did. Did y'all go to Paris that, together too, or did you go to Paris by yourself? I no, I think we went to. I think I was with Florence. I think we went to Paris too. We went okay. to Paris together too. Yeah, Florence and I we are like really good friends, and like I mean, I still need to talk to her. Like, I think that was the one time. Like, I mean, when you go and travel with someone, we are still getting to know. It's mm-hmm. very different, and I think. That experience, like, the first day was a little rough because I was, like, I, I got, like, I, I think I was, like, okay, I want to do this and I want to do that and whatever. And I think we grew so much as a friends because we, like, we knew how to handle each other eventually outside that yeah. to this day, like, she's one of my closest friends. 
because of that. Mm. Because now I was like, well, you know, we we traveled together. <laughs> There's nothing more that says true friendship than traveling, traveling together. together yeah. Because you will get <laughs> at each other's necks if, at least once, twice, and then after that, it's like, wow, you know what? You are really a friend for life. <laughs> and I'm grateful for that because yeah. it taught me how to be patient with other people because yeah. I think, you know, when it's easy. I mean, I wasn't that, I wasn't as mature as I am now. So I feel like a lot of things I was always like, oh, well, you know, I want to do these things and whatever. And it made me really think like, you know what? It's, you also need to think about how other people feel and what they want to do too. Yeah. And so yeah. I think we both learned that and it was a great experience. I, yeah. It was fun. Yeah, we went to Marseille. Um, we went to Paris together. Like, I think we spent more time in Marseille. Like, we we went and enjoyed the south. We tried, like, we traveled to a few of the smaller islands mm-hmm. off the coast. Mm-hmm. We went to, like, the big church that was there, like Notre Dame de la Garde and everything. Like, mm. it was really good. Um, and then we, when we went to Paris, like... We went and saw, like, you know, the the Versailles Palace mm-hmm. and we did all the cool stuff and all that stuff. Like, you know, it was, it was a nice, like, kind of day trip or two. So it was yeah. good. Aww. I'm glad you had such a good time in France. That's so nice. Um, did you travel around? Well, I know you traveled. I know at least, like, you went to New Orleans while you were in the States because that's where we ended up meeting up that one time during spring break. Yes! When it was like... When we realized we were going to be there at the same time, it was like, oh, hey, let's let's meet up. Um, and that was really great. But, like, um, where else did you travel in the States other than, you know, Michigan and New Orleans um, while you so were at I MSU? When I was at MSU, I think I was very localized because I think I was still trying to get my feet around being in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I went to um, Ohio, I went to Indiana. I went to Chicago. Chicago is the one place I frequented the most. Mm-hmm. So I was mostly in that area, but yeah. I enjoyed being in Chicago. And I honestly, I feel like if I find an opportunity to be in Chicago, I'll probably be there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was nice. I think, to be very honest, I want to um, travel a little bit more um, in the U.S. I feel like I've only been to like no more than five states properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I, I really want to do that. And I'm, I mean, now I'm in New York and I obviously New Jersey is literally right there. You can't be like, Oh, New Jersey. I've traveled to New Jersey because most New Yorkers will look at you like everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not like somewhere you aspire to go like all the time. Cause it's literally right there. Yeah. It's like right there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I need to do I need to do more traveling or like just the DMV area like or the East Coast like I feel like a lot of people in this region mm-hmm. especially are used to traveling like on the coast so yeah. someone would be like oh yeah I went to Connecticut Boston Massachusetts whatever like you know like yeah. everybody like everyone's used to traveling across like around this area so I think I need to definitely step up my game especially in the United States. Um, but yeah, when I was at Michigan State, it was definitely New Orleans um, and Chicago. Chicago and New Orleans were my favorite places, like mm-hmm. over and over again. <laughs> I mean, they are very special places in their own right, so I can't blame you. Um, True. So you graduated MSU, was it 2016? Yes. Okay. And then you decided to go to grad school. And I remember. 
you were saying because for a while you were thinking about Tulane and then you chose Columbia because you felt like Mm -hmm. it had more to offer right yes oh that story oh my god (laughs) so I feel like so when I went when we went to New Orleans when Mm -hmm. we met that time yeah um I loved being in New Orleans Mm -hmm. I think it was, you know, the big easy, everything is nice, it's summery, and there was a feel of home. Mm-hmm. You know, being in, in Michigan State for four years was fun, and I grew to enjoy being in Michigan for the most part, mm-hmm. but I also there was a sense of me that I kind of missed being at home. And New Orleans, like, gave an opportunity, like, one, like, it, it was summery, it was warm, it felt like there was something more familiar. I also felt like there was a lot more representation in Louisiana than in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like a lot of the experiences I had, although good, uh, like, uh, some of them good, some of them also very problematic. Because I think I was still trying to figure out my blackness in my own way. Because in Zimbabwe, I've never really considered, like, in Zimbabwe, I always knew I was black. Mm-hmm. But I never had to say it. Like, I mean, even when someone addresses someone, they're like, oh, Munumutema, or oh, that black person. And it's not something that means something else. Like, yeah. it's, it's not it's not a negative connotation. It's just like, the person's black, the person's white. The, end of story. But I think being in the United States had to, had to force me to think, what does being black really mean to me? Because... Mm-hmm. The idea, like, I mean, I I was kind of naive that when I came in, I was like, oh, we're all black. We're all brothers and sisters. And we'll all get along. And I remember getting a lot of, like, rejection from people when I was like, oh, I'm Zimbabwe. And they're like, oh, you're African. Because of some of the experience. That's so like, rude. You know, like, I know. But, like, I think it's because they also had negative experiences yeah. with other people, too. And I was getting negative experiences mm-hmm. with with african-american people and i remember you know i was getting like racist comments from white people but then i would also get some really offensive people your comments from black people as well mm-hmm. especially black guys like someone was like oh yeah african booty scratcher you know like haha like as, as Wait, they as were a joke. still saying that and in I, college they were still saying things like that, saying too? that. And, and what made it more frustrating is like they thought it was like a joke and like, no, we're just playing with you. And I was like, no, it's not. It's not a joke for me because it was always repeated. And what made it even worse is that we were, we were three people, mm-hmm. three or four black people on the entire floor, yeah. resi- like res floor, like at Michigan State. And I was like one girl. And I think there was maybe another girl on the other side of the floor or something. And I was just like, dang, like, you know, we need, I felt like, we needed to be in solidarity sometimes, but at the same time, there was a lot of stuff that we didn't meet eye to eye. Because one, I never had to think of my blackness as much of a crime in the way that most black American people feel like that. So I had a privilege. I didn't understand where this was coming from. So I came from a very sheltered place. And then Zim, yes, racism and stuff is still there, but it's not, it's a lot more contextualized because there's a black majority. So it was more of like me trying to figure out how, like, what does blackness mean to me mm-hmm. in my context? And also trying to figure out what do I represent as a Zimbabwean, as a black woman, all this stuff. So New Orleans was like, when I finally did go to New Orleans, it felt like, wow, for the first time, I have more people that look like me. 
and also I feel like I had I had gained a certain level of maturity to know like what it meant in terms of like blackness for me and also I also there was a lot more diversity in the the different narratives of blackness yeah. in the area because there were a lot of people who were like yeah I'm I'm Creole, I'm Haitian, or someone was like, oh, I'm from this area, I'm African, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then there's some people who are like, no, I was born and raised in the South all my life. So I know what it's like to be black in America in this mm-hmm. context. And so I feel like it was a lot easier for me to discuss those things because there were a lot more voices and stuff there. And I, I think that's why I gravitated a lot to choosing like New Orleans as the place where I wanted to go. And so Without a doubt, like I saw today, and I was like, "I'm a black." <laughs> so I applied, and again, that whole thing about fate and all that stuff. I was like, "I'm going to Tulane," mm-hmm. and they were the first person that got back to me. Like mm-hmm. they were like, "You are getting in." And I was like, "Yes, go!" <laughs> and so I thought I was gonna do like grant assistantships and everything, but I started noticing that there were like hurdles that I was coming across. Things like funding. Yeah. I thought grad school would have more funding. And I would ask them all the time, like, oh, you know, is there a way I can get funding for this and this? And they're like, oh, sorry, well, if you want to get grant assistantships or graduate assistantships, you have to be here. Like, you have to already start at school and, like, then you can get it eventually. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, dang, like, you know, I can't do this. Housing. And I was like, wow, well, you know, then I have to move down south. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I was like, well, you know, all these things are just coming up. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I definitely, I'm going to grad school. That's not a question. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just trying to figure it out. So, that was set in stone. I was like, I accepted and everything. And then, I'd also applied to other schools. I applied to Louisiana State University. Um, I applied to NYU and um, Columbia. And when I applied to... NYU in Columbia I, well, NYU like I was like oh you know I, I kind of like the school I, well actually I did like the school a lot and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna apply but Columbia it was interesting because I felt like there was no way I was gonna get in Yeah. and I applied because I was talking to another friend and he had done his like pro, summer programs with the mailman school or whatever and he's like you should apply you'll definitely get in and I was like okay you are crazy but okay and I applied <laughs> and um, I remember I had an interview with them and I was surprised like wow well, okay I got an interview cool mm-hmm. and I got in and you know after a few days I was like oh sorry you know what you didn't get in um, You there are so many people and like if you want you can stay on the wait list if you don't want that's fine mm-hmm. and like a part of me was just like look I didn't expect to get in either either way. So mm-hmm. let me just say go. Now they like, you know, I would like to be put on the wait list. And this was um I'm trying to think this was I think before I'd accepted Tulane. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of like I wasn't sure but then after that I was like I'm not getting in. The wait list like for some odd reason I was like the wait list is def- like definitive like I'm not going to get in. So mm. Uh, and I already knew that that was my first choice. But there was some part of me I was like, wow, you know, if you get in, they have, it's in New York. Uh, there's a lot more opportunities, especially for global health. Mm-hmm. It's one of the top in the country. I think at the time it was like fourth in the country or something like that. Or around the one I was like, 
why wouldn't you want to go? And I was like, oh, yeah. well, it is this. So I accepted the Tulane. I was really preparing. Like, good thing they don't have an application fee, like an acceptance fee at Tulane, because I'm pretty sure I would have been broke. Mm. Um, yeah. But um, I made it and I got in. And I was like, pretty much preparing to go. One of my other friends, um, she was, um, she got into, um, I think University of Miami or something like that, or Florida or something like that. And she was going to do her PhD, so we had basically agreed, like, okay, well, we're gonna do a road trip. You will drive down, we'll drop my stuff off at um, in New Orleans, find an apartment, and then go drop off your stuff, and then I'll just fly back. Like everything was pretty much in. We're planning those things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then, randomly, I got an email from one of the administrators at the department in. Columbia that I was I was applying for mm-hmm. and we had a good chat and she's like you know like I think you're a really great candidate I know what you've been through because my grades weren't the best but she's like you know do you really want this and like I just remember saying like yes I want this and I never thought I did I think it was just in the interview just to me like no I I want this mm-hmm. I really do but there was always this nervous thing, like, do I do I really want this? Like, I mean, I have a school. Like, I don't have to be there. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, like, if you want this, and then, like, let me know and everything. And then, like, and like you know, she, her, like, her name is Rebecca Sale, and she is amazing. To this day, like, even when we graduated, I was like, can you imagine? Like, if it wasn't for that call, I wouldn't be here. Like, yeah. she's such an wow. amazing, she advocates and everything. And I was like, wow, look at that. And then I think the next day, like, I mean, I remember after having that interview, I was like, just talking to me, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I didn't get in. And I got an email, and I was like, congratulations, you got in. Wow. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like, I got in. And mm-hmm. and I was like, dang, so now what am I going to do? It's too late. <laughs> And I don't recommend this, but I think sometimes there's certain things you have to do. And I literally emailed Tulane, I think maybe after like two or three weeks of deliberation, I was like, look, I know that I want to go to New York. And I mean, I'd also got into NYU at the same time too. So I was just like, I know I, like this Louisiana stuff is not going to work out. So I was like, and I emailed them. I was like, you know, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me. I know I accepted and I know that um, I wanted to come here like almost immediately. But I got an offer at Columbia University and I want to take it. And they were super, super nice. And they're like, well, you know what? Um, yeah, that's fine. If you want to defer, you can. I was like, I'll defer mm-hmm. just in case if I if I feel like I, I'm not going to get what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at Columbia and they're like no that's fine and um, they were very nice about it and then I, I just I had to change all my plans and start planning for New York Yeah, and that was hard I bet but I <laughs> yeah but I, I don't regret it I don't mm-hmm. regret it initially I was kind of like I mean moving to New York is difficult and it's stressful I, w- I fell into a, a big depression when I moved into New York oh, no. um like it was, it was difficult because I feel like the expectations I had and how, like I thought, I thought I was sheltered before I came to the U.S., but I felt like I was really, really sheltered when I finally left Michigan and when came here. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is so expensive; I couldn't afford it. Um, 
things at home, like politically, were not looking good. Mm-hmm. So even things like paying for everything and like, was a big issue. And I felt like um, some of the assistance that I got from the school was either too little, too late, or very delayed. And I, and that was and like it's not necessarily directed to my department specifically. It was just like just the administration of Columbia. Sometimes it can be very bureaucratic and it can be difficult. And I, you know, I was literally asking, like, look, I'm an international student from a foreign country, and this is what's going on. What can I do? And I'm pretty sure there are plenty of international students who are going through that, but mm-hmm. it was just very difficult. And it was also very challenging. Like, you know, most grad students, like, they feel like, okay, the first semester isn't too bad. I was taking, like, almost 20 credits worth my first semester. goodness. Yeah, because they have, like, a core class system. Yeah. And that just ate me alive my gpa was rock bottom mm. i think also because i mean the expectations here like a pass is not a c it's a b plus mm. like a b so b my ass and like i found like this is the one time where i really felt like i really had to challenge myself academically like this time it, i was i was used to I don't want to say like I had like just that natural intelligence. I don't want to say that, but I never had to work as hard as I did here, like here, mm-hmm. anywhere else. Like I was struggling just to get a B for certain for a lot of my classes. Yeah, and it was just it was very difficult for me. That first semester was one of the hardest, and I really got depressed. Mm-hmm. I was so depressed. I didn't have a job. Um, I didn't. It was cold. It was dusty. It was expensive. Um, I had to go for therapy. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I've gone for therapy before, but this time I was like, I you needed it. I like you know, yeah. I was yeah. like, if I don't go for therapy, I'm not gonna make it. Yeah. I I was I had hit rock bottom, mm-hmm. and at the same time, I didn't want to tell my parents because I thought that they'd already. This time it was double the tuition with no scholarships, no mm-hmm. nothing. And like trying to tell my parents, like, wow, well, you know, like I'm so depressed and I don't think I'm going to make it. I felt like I couldn't do it. Um, I couldn't do it at all. And I think it took me, I think it took me a good year to probably tell my parents, like, I was so depressed. And I think I didn't even tell them, like, how, because I was like suicidal. That's how mm. depressed. Like, even waking up. Like, I mean, I've I've never been great with time. But mm-hmm. I think that, you know, like, I couldn't even, like, I couldn't sleep. And then when I did sleep, I couldn't even get up. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, like, you know, it was just a lot. Like, I'm sorry, it, and it was like I'm so oh, sorry. Gosh, it's okay. <laughs> look, look, it's over now. I mean, it's I'm much better than where I was before. Yeah. But I just, I just remember feeling like, what what am I doing? Like I I remember that's the and I, I feel like the resources I wanted for help mm-hmm. were weren't always there. And I sometimes I didn't know who to ask. But I remember trying to reach out so much and just feeling alone. Yeah. And then I would find some of my other friends in the program, and they were like, "You're like we feel the same too." So it helped. But I remember just feeling like, "No, I I don't think I'll make it." I'm I. I was really close like I think I'd hit rock bottom to be very honest I feel like I hit rock bottom and then 
and then like also politically what is going on in the country like 2016 was just a rough year for everybody mm. so i was yeah. just like and i think it, i know i think that year was like do i really want to stay in the u.s mm-hmm. because i felt like i was just i had had enough mm. like i i feel like everything like because my last year at msu was also very difficult um because there was a lot of issues like like the school had kind of messed up my student account or something because we had been paying in advance so that i wouldn't have to worry about it the whole year mm-hmm. and then that impacted my scholarship and like i literally had to ask my boss like at the international students um and scholars office to be like please like please advocate for me because they're not listening to me and if it wasn't for my supervisor and the director in like like you know interceding and trying to figure it out i don't know if i would have finished my lesson like it was a hard mm-hmm. it was a hard year and a half yeah so um i think there were a lot of expectations that i had about being in new york and being at the school that were shattered Mm-hmm. And I think it took me a long time to really figure, like, like really get out and I'm like, look, it's okay, like we can do this and everything. And I remember, like, I had some. Don't get me wrong, like, I had some amazing advisors and and like fellow students and like people in in different offices who like saw my plight and they were like, no, we're gonna help you out. Yeah. And they helped me out a lot. And then there were some who just said they would help or they would care but they didn't mm. and i think to be very honest like i'm very grateful that i made it through because now i'm just like i i just i don't know i don't know if i would have been able to do it without the people who supported me yeah so yeah, yeah after 2016 2017 i was like hey it's a new year new me trying to get out of this like <laughs> and get it together and part of the program like i'm because i'm doing a, i was doing a global health certificate mm-hmm. Um, requires that you work outside of the country in a low middle income country for six months mm-hmm. and there was a lot that was going on in my mind because the school was supposed to offer a stipend but the stipend was not really a lot like mm-hmm. there was a once off stipend and like for six months if you're in a country you don't know I was like ah. I was like did I make the right decision yeah. then they were like oh yeah pay full tuition while you're away for that semester I was like oh my god like you know, I was like, yeah, <laughs> like you know, when I was just like, what am I doing? And I just remember, like, crying on the phone to my mom, and I was like, no, I want to come home. Like, I want to come home, but it wasn't like it wasn't like uh, you know, I'm, I want to come home and like leave this program because I was like, it's only two years. I don't have time to be leaving. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember just I, I believe in divine intervention mm-hmm. whatever you believe be it god allah anything any spiritual i really believe because i literally just i said a prayer and i was like god like i need to find a way to go home i just need like i need i need a way that this is going to work out because if i stay here for an, another year i'm going to lose it and mm-hmm. i like i'm not ready for it and like my therapy wasn't helping either mm-hmm. because she's just like oh why did you just leave and i was like if I could just leave, I would. But at the same time, how do I tell uh, my parents that not only are they looking on the black market for U.S. dollars mm. for a K mm-hmm. plus tuition? Like, how do I just say, oh, yeah, I want to leave? For two years, I was like, there's no way. And I, 
and somehow like when I was looking for like um, internship positions like practicum positions one of the places I was looking for out of nowhere they're like oh actually we're opening up at our new office and I was like where's this new office and they're like oh it's in Zimbabwe and I was like hey <laughs> You know what I'm like? Oh. Look at God. Look at God. <laughs> and I was like, wait, really? And I, like, I remember feeling like this is meant to be. Like, I was like, if, and around one night, I was like, I was trying because I was like, I had some of my friends and everyone else also applying. And I knew some of them had worked for years and before they came to the program, I literally came, I was like, man, if I don't get this job, I don't get this job. But I, I was just like, if it is what it is, fine i'll get it and i remember i got called in again for my second interview and i was like oh okay cool 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 and then like i'm not thinking okay third interview i was like dang like this is it and like the third interview wasn't even like a third interview i think the third interview is when i realized i got it because mm. they're like okay this is the pi this is what's going on like the primary investigator this is what's going on. She's like, so yeah, I heard you're Zimbabwean. Okay, this is what you're doing. And like, she's like, okay, so this is what's going on. And we discussed. And I, I got, I got an internship. And I was like, I get to, to work. I get to work with one of the world's leading NGOs, like on HIV care and treatment mm-hmm. and everything. And I get to go home. That's amazing. And so. I get a stipend. Not because the stipend that the school gave me, there was a lot of problems with mm-hmm. that. But I was able to get a small stipend, tiny, tiny stipend, just to help me, which was great, and I appreciated yeah. it. And I was like, it's better than what I expected because I thought I was going to be broke. That's why I was like, I need to find some way to get home. Mm-hmm. So it worked out, and I think that's when I was like, okay, this is this is the sign, and I it was the best decision I ever made because when I finally came home, I was able to bond with everyone. I really had to recenter. It was the first time being home for, for longer than like a couple of weeks or so since I left in 2012 and being like six months, seven months and like working and everything. It was just amazing. I, I'm so grateful for it. And I, I will do it again. Like I think that was that was the that was the win I needed. The win I was like, yo, you know, you need to make sure you're getting this. And after that, like when I finally came back to finish my last semester, I was like, nothing can phase me now. <laughs> like right. I'm ready to go. I've done my part, and I'm I'm grateful for it. And my grades picked up because of it. Like like all my classes were so much better, and I enjoyed them, and I felt confident again. And I mean, sometimes I had like difficulties and stuff, but I. I definitely was grateful for it and it was such a great experience. I am grateful. I am so grateful and I'm so fortunate to have this. Wow. Yeah. You have just such an amazing story. Um, cause I was curious cause I knew you were in Zimbabwe for a while, I, but I didn't know. I had assumed like maybe you're taking a break or maybe there was like some visa issue where you had to go home for a while. I didn't know. Um, but that's amazing to know that you were there, you know, still furthering your studies while being able to be back home. That's that's wonderful. And how it all worked out. That's really that's really amazing, Yasha. I'm really glad it worked out that way for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it, worked, it worked out very perfectly. And I think I'm super blessed and super fortunate that it worked out that way. Because I think there was a point when I really did think maybe I did have to go back home for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was fortunate that um, I think 
not only did things work out, but like my parents were so determined for me to finish this program. Yeah. I think um, as much as I'm perfectionist, my dad and my like my dad is more so. Mm. My mom is is a more flexible, mm-hmm. but um, my dad was like, no, we're gonna do whatever it can, mm-hmm. we wh- whatever we can to to get you through this program. And it really took a village because it wasn't just my parents who were helping me and everything. It was my it was my aunt, it was my one of my uncles, it was like everyone was trying to chip in in whatever way they could. Yeah. And like also the good thing is like my dad was like, you know, he was like, okay, fine, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. He he was working and, like, he had the money coming in, but he also had to go and hustle there and there because, like, there was no U.S. dollar in the country. So I think that was the biggest issue. I think if they, the U.S. dollar was in abundance, then I think I would be much more fortunate. I would be like, yeah, no, life was a breeze and you have to worry about it. But my dad was very strategic mm-hmm. with how he handled things. He And, like, also my aunts were also very, like, helpful my uncles too and i think and my grandparents as well my dad's parents too like they they wanted to be part of my success and they wanted to help me in whatever way i could and i think i appreciate that i feel like that kind of level of commitment is not always there with families like it wasn't it i think there's a a lot of pride you have to set aside when you want to like i need to do this and i need help and i think it even became more important when like you know the whole apartment fire mm-hmm. thing happened yeah. um so and while i was abroad so yeah i guess for those who will be listening you know while i was abroad um they like the apartment that i'd been staying with with my friends from msu too because they also moved to new york mm-hmm. um i been subleasing it but i left all my stuff in there for you know when i get back mm-hmm. and while everyone was away, someone in the building on the same floor as us, because we were on the top floor, the sixth floor, mm-hmm. uh, basically started a fire. Mm-hmm. And it was, it burned through the entire sixth floor. It burned through parts of the fifth floor. I think some of the sixth floor collapsed onto the fifth the floor, floor or something yeah. like that. You know, and I remember Marion, my friend and my roommate then, like, you know, she called me. And you know how funny it was? Me... And my other friend from Mailman, we had just gone out and we'd come back home to my place and my aunt's place. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were getting into bed mm-hmm. midnight. And Marion calls me and she's like, Nyasha, we don't have an apartment anymore. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, we do. Like, and she's like, I'm literally standing in front of the building the ceiling is is literally falling onto the ground in flames. I can see the roof from our living room. Like, we don't have an apartment anymore. Mm. And it was just soot everywhere. And she actually was on her way to go home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and she'd gone back to go and get her suitcase to go. And she, the police, I mean, the police, I mean, the firefighters wouldn't let her go in, obviously, because mm. it, it's too late. And I remember I was just like, okay, it's cool. Like, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. And the minute we hung up the phone, I burst into tears. Yeah. Because with things, yes, they were my belongings, but there were also things that I remember that I I had planned to take with me when I came home, but I couldn't fit in my bag. And I was like, you know what? My mom's going to come for graduation. So she's going to take, 
everything with her and like things I wanted to give to family members. There was a lot of stuff that was sentimental value. I think like photos and you know um, books I got and like I'm fortunate that I didn't have like significant documents because I came with them. Yeah. But I remember feeling like wow like everything I own is gone. Yeah. Um and I was fortunate and I think I was way more fortunate than my other um like um roommates because they were in the city. So I, I was too far away to be fully like fully impacted like right then and then. Mm-hmm. But I remember just like well I like I I think there was a level of dissociation because I felt like it wasn't real. Mm-hmm. It's not real. And I was like, oh wow, like I don't have an apartment. I was like I I think it only hit me, I think, when I was not traveling back to New York that I really don't have an apartment because yeah. I'm not going, I'm not going to that same place again. And what made it even more interesting is that that same week mm-hmm. there was a lot of political like stuff happening. The like there were tanks in Harare, everything, and there were calls for the president to resign. And that same weekend, like the night before this. The, the night that this happened the following day was a march toward like what a, a march to the presidential palace or whatever like and like so all this stuff was happening at the same time so yeah. I'm thinking about politics I'm thinking like wow well, I'm home and this is what's happening this is a great time and then I'm thinking wow like I don't have any of my stuff mm. all my books all my notes all my bedding like my one thing that I remember, um, my grandmother had made this blanket. She made it for all of her like grandkids, mm-hmm. and it's a crocheted blanket. And I remember she made it like when she was like still recovering from her stroke um, that she had a while ago. And I remember she made that for me. And so when I graduated from high school, so it was supposed to be like my good luck exam blanket, but Aww. I got it after. And so yeah. I always carried that blanket. I had it throughout my entire undergrad experience I had it everything and I forgot it when I came here and that's a blanket I always traveled with yeah and I forgot it and it broke I was like wow like even if I got a new one even if my grandmother made another one for me because I know she wants to and she wouldn't mind that blanket had so much sentimental value because she she did it at a time where you know she was still recovering but she loved us so much she made one not only just one for all of one so me and my other like cousins and stuff we have one yeah so it 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 really like it really took a lot for me and like i mean and that was when i was like maybe i shouldn't come maybe i should go back to new york um but the fact that all this stuff happened and I still was like, I'm still gonna go and get my degree. I'm still gonna make it happen. I'm still mm-hmm. gonna finish that for me. I was like, well, you know what? I'm actually hungrier than I thought I was. Or yeah. I'm not willing to settle or whatever. And that was really important to me. And like the school helped out a lot with that. Like I was able to, they give, they were able to give me housing, and I was able to have oh, a bigger room and everything. So it was like, it was like a lot. It was a lot, but yeah, it was it it ha- worked out. I'm glad. I'm glad. Because I didn't want to pry because I know y'all were dealing with a lot. But I was just thinking, no, no, no. What are they going to do? Where are they going to go? Like, how are they going to, you know. And, like, <laughs> y'all were in the New York Times and everything. Like, I mean, not you specifically, but they were. there was an but article the about it in the yeah. New York Times. And I was like, 
Oh my goodness, you know, so um, I'm just glad y'all are safe and that y'all are, you know, just trying to do what you can to keep going, you know. Um, but uh, I did want to ask, because you mentioned a lot mm-hmm. that you had the support of your family and your dad, especially in terms of funding your your studies, you know, at, at MSU, um, at Columbia, um, and I know you said you didn't get any, you had a stipend when you went back to Zimbabwe, but you did, other than that, you didn't really get a whole bunch of like scholarships or anything for grad school, right? No, okay. I, I didn't. And I was a little bit surprised be- because, you know, like, I mean, Michigan State, like I was able to get like scholarships. Mm-hmm. I was able to work at jobs. Um, I had one job, like being an intercultural aide, that covered my room and board. So that took a huge chunk of my expenses mm-hmm. off. I had another job at the International Students and Office, um, International Students and Scholars Office, um, and you know that was also helping me get an extra income. So I was also paying for my other bills and like everything. So coming to New York it was kind of surprising that I was like, wow, like. Well, I kind of knew that I wasn't going to get a lot because I was, I felt like I was waitlisted. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah Does that I mean, make a difference like, even if you're waitlisted? I feel like it kind of does because it's like if you want scholarships, they're going to give the best students. Oh. So if you're waitlisted, you're definitely not the first person that they offered to. You get what I'm mm, saying? Yeah. And I feel like also looking for jobs. I think it was a little bit difficult because the program was so intensive the first semester Mm -hmm. and I was really struggling. So I felt like the first semester, and they even told us like, try not to look for jobs your first semester. Obviously like this is New York. Like you need a job. (laughs) Like I was like, um, but I think at the same time, I also felt like if I got a job, I was going to fail out. And I was like, okay, well, you know, let me just, let me take the advice. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get a job um, the first semester. The second semester, I was looking for jobs. But I was looking for jobs for my practicum specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, oh, I'm going to leave anyway. And um, that worked out. Um, I feel like I kind of had a lot of side hustles. Mm-hmm. Like, I was doing people's hair, I was doing this and stuff, and I mean, I still do it t- today. Like, I feel like I enjoy doing it because it h- helps me hone my school, because I already did my own hair, mm-hmm. but now it was just nice to, like, have a hustle of my own. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. that was, that helped a lot. Um. And then, I got a job, and then I started working, and then when I came back, um, I continued that job, um, um, as like a student casual intern or whatever mm-hmm. because the headquarters is at Mailman's too so okay. I was working with them and then I just finished with them this month too so it was like it worked out the the second round of this program but yeah, yeah but at the same time I didn't have a lot of funding and stuff like that and even right. like it was difficult because I, I tried to do private loans but at the same time I was like I know I'm definitely not going to be able to pay this. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone, yeah, everyone does loans in the U.S. Like, that's just the way of life. Yeah. But I think it was kind of a little bit difficult because in Zim, there's no credit system or whatever. And so even that affects the cultural standpoint of, like, getting loans and stuff. Because mm-hmm. my dad was like, 
okay, you want to get loans, and that's a great idea. That's our backup if, if things get really bad. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you're an international student, so your interest is going to be much higher than everyone mm-hmm. else's. Yeah, yeah. Also, like the same problem we have of trying to send money there, we're going to try and send more money to pay these loans. It's like, mm. you know, maybe let's, let's see. And it worked out. I mean, it worked out for us, fortunately. Yeah. But there were times, to be very honest, and I maybe I'm just going to be very real. There are times when I, I could not pay for my tuition. Mm. Like, I paid the very minimum. And I'll just wait and see how the rest of the semester would go. And then, like, whenever... And, like, I feel like my like my parents were were adamant that they want to do their very best to to finish paying for my tuition and they did and i would try and do whatever i could here and when they needed to pay and everything i'll tell them okay this is when the deadline is for the next installment or whatever and it worked out but like if you don't have the money you don't have the money yeah and the schools I think the school, I think, also knew that not everyone here had that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Who has 25K <laughs> lying around? Just sitting around. Semester? Yeah. Just sitting around. And when you know that your country is going through a lot of different things all the time mm-hmm. and there's no money, when I mean, they're literally restricting your banks from doing any external funds and like or transfers or whatever it's like what what can i do because even i went to student services and they're like uh yeah we've we've had this experience and they only gave me a student loans thing and i was just like well you know and other the other suggestions that they gave me it was already too little too late because they'd been looking for them months before i even came here so it was just like well okay well this is this this is it and i think when when I came like when I was when I like midway through my practicum and whatever I kind of thought like I'm no longer gonna push things too much because I pushed to get into Columbia to a certain extent because I'm like wait look now like oh okay and like and then I pushed to move here and I pushed to do this and I felt like I was doing a lot of defensive work but not getting anything done. Mm-hmm. And even, like, when the... I think the apartment fire was, like, the last draw. Like, I'm pushing for all these things. And I'm trying to keep all these things. But if they're not meant for me, they're not meant for me. Mm. I cannot do anything about that. Like, I I can work hard and do whatever I can. But I cannot force all my energy onto one thing that's not coming through for me. Yeah. And I think it helped me a lot and it helped me diffuse a lot of the stress that I had because now it's just like, okay, well, that didn't work out. I'm moving on to this. Mm-hmm. And it, it helped me manage my expectations a lot more. So I think it helped overall. I, I learned a lot of ex- ex- valid lessons and valuable lessons through mm-hmm. that. It sounds like it. Um, well, I, I was just wondering... Because I know you got you got more like outside financial support when you were at MSU. Do you remember mm-hmm. any like specific scholarships or fellowships you might have received that helped you not have to worry about the finances as much when you were an undergrad? Yeah. So in undergrad, um, when you apply, you I think depending on which school you are, Michigan State had this thing like for if you applied, you were automatically considered for certain like scholarships and stuff like that and like because i was applying as an international student and i also had sats which weren't a requirement oh, that's right. um, yeah yeah um i got considered i think i got the global 
Spartan scholarship and the or Globe and Spartan Neighbor scholarship is that what it's called? Then I got this other scholarship from the Office of Admissions. So mm-hmm. that paid a certain amount every semester. It wasn't a lot, but it was like a, it helped. I think it covered like a good a good three credit class and a bit of another class. Like it helped um, that way. So yeah. um, there was that, and then I think I got like some other scholarship that was only valid for the first year of my undergrad experience so those were like automatic ones okay um if you ask the office of admissions they would also have a list of different scholarships that they had and partners that they worked with so when i came in mastercard wasn't like looking for people specifically like i think in zim or something like that so i didn't apply for mastercard but then the following years Mm-hmm. Yeah, so MasterCard covers like four years of your tuition and the certain regulations and stuff like that. But like, they were in partnership with M- Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I think now they're phasing out given the current um, situation with our school, our alma mater. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, there are quite a few scholarships that you can get. I think it's now more of like asking and everything. I and in, because Michigan State is a state school, I feel like they also have a lot of opportunities um and partnerships with people as well um but sometimes it can also be a hindrance because it's a state school that they put people in the state first and it is a land grant university Mm -hmm. so like which i it's expected like i'm not gonna be like oh why but it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. um columbia on the other hand is a private institute it's much more private and it's, it's a pretty wealthy institution i believe so but I feel like it was a lot harder to find funds. Mm. And I think in terms of motivating students, I, I'm i not happy about that. Like, I'm going to be very honest. I feel like the school could do a bit better. I think especially the the public health school, maybe it's just the public health school. I feel like something that's a general consensus throughout the school, that they could be more financial assistance for students. Mm-hmm. It is an expensive school. You can't always depend on people having loans. And I think as international students, one thing I was surprised about is like, you know, you're in New York. So you think that because you're in such a diverse city that sometimes they would cater more for that. I feel like they catered less for that Mm. than my Mm. experience at Michigan State because Michigan State like had to be more proactive because it was at a predominantly white institution in the middle of Michigan. And so they were very (laughs) active yeah, no, that's what they were. I mean, that's true. And yeah. I, yeah, and all the diversity and inclusion and in, uh, projects that we had at Michigan State were top notch. Because like when we finally got here, like I was like, oh, they don't have this. Like diversity and inclusion and like bringing up people. That's something that was very recent, especially for the public health school. And I and I feel like it's somewhat they're still learning and they're still trying to get it better that's fine mm-hmm. but i still feel disappointed that more could be done yeah. at a fast rate yeah. so i think even with that and like just it's just like even being in the school but also financially i feel like they think that they could do better okay i mean i feel like that's a fair criticism and you would know since you've been you know a student at columbia so you know exactly what what is lacking and what could be done better so that's that's totally fair yeah. Um, so I know we've been talking for a long time. I just have a couple more questions for you. Sure. Um, feel free. So 
in like all your experiences that you've had going to MSU as, as an undergrad, um, going to Columbia for grad school, and then being in New York, because I know that's like a separate experience in itself. Like being a grad student is one thing, but also being in New York is also, for the first time, is also something that's really different. But in all the experiences you've had, um, what would you say is, um, well, I would, I'll ask first, um, do you have any regrets? And then also, what would you say is your number one advice for anyone who's trying to pursue studies abroad or just, um, I don't know if it's in general in terms of fine-tuning what you want in life what do you have any regrets and what would be your like the foremost point uh, piece of advice that you have so do I have any regrets throughout my experiences mm-hmm. um I know I do <laughs> let me try and hone in on one um <laughs> I think I I wish I wasn't as naive as I came in, especially after um, undergrad, going into grad school. Mm-hmm. I think one thing I learned a lot is that sometimes you can go to an institution and it may not have a, like a strong name, but it has just as a as a, a comparable program, mm-hmm. but because mm-hmm. it doesn't have the name you're not going to get recognized mm. I'm not saying mm. that's the same with Columbia I feel like Columbia is also a really good school mm-hmm. but I feel that there was a lot that I didn't realize because of the name and I feel like I also was enamored I mean even when I was saying when I when I applied to all these schools like I was like oh I got into Columbia bye like, <laughs> like and I think we 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 sometimes we look at the brand or the face value of a certain institution or thing mm-hmm. with without really considering certain things beforehand. I feel like I was very naive about that, mm-hmm. and I learned the hard way when I finally got here because everything was expensive, everything was very difficult. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's Columbia for a reason. Yeah. I mean, it it, it has top quality talent and everything, but at the same time, it's like I feel like. People, people make a lot of except, exceptions because of the name of a school, mm-hmm. be it Harvard, be it Princeton, be it whatever. But if they, you know, you're paying for the name, but sometimes you need to ask yourself, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. I think for me, I'm glad I I came here. Whether it was, I think I had to be at Columbia, or I, I mean, just the way things happened, yeah. I had to be in York. Because I felt like I was too, I was still a little bit too protected, mm. and I think it. This experience taught me to be hungry. Mm. It taught me to be driven to a point where now I know my worth to a certain extent because I've seen what I've been through. Yeah, I'm not gonna accept certain things because I know what I've done to get here, mm-hmm. and I don't want to just accept anything willingly. I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to be working paycheck to paycheck because, you know, that's what's expect. No, I don't want to do that because I, I've seen my journey and I've seen what I've had, especially in the last two years, what I've been through mm-hmm. that I can't 
accept anything different and i yeah. think that's something that i i had to learn maybe it could have it could have only happened at columbia maybe it could have happened somewhere else but i feel like if i had not come here like it, like that one little regret that i have i feel like it's it's completely um overshadowed with like all the things that I learned, so right. I'm okay with it. So it's yeah. not so much as regret, but it's more of like a, a cautionary like lesson for people. Like, just be careful. Yeah. Um. What is the other question? Advice, like what? Thinking about everything you've done, everywhere you've gone, everything you've been through. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of advice you could give on various aspects. Um, but like, oh, what's yeah. the foremost? piece of advice that you have thinking about your own experiences so i mean that was one good piece of advice yes yeah um (laughs) my next advice is like my next piece of advice is like don't be afraid to do something that no one else has done Mm. in especially in your focus because you know what? Only you... You only disappoint yourself if you don't do it. But at the same... Like, like, but at the same time, it's like... If you do do it and you make mistakes, like that's a learning experience too. Mm-hmm. Be comfortable with taking risks. But also be comfortable calculating them to a certain extent. Like, not every risk is going to be well calculated. And I think a lot of people think that when they say, Oh, take risks... Mm-hmm. Do this, and it's like you know. Have you put in the the you know the research into that risk? Sometimes you need to sit down, and sometimes research won't do anything. That's the risk part of it. So take risks. Don't be afraid to explore places that no one else has gone to, just because it it it's against the status quo. Mm-hmm. Do what you need to do to find yourself, because. This was this journey was about. It started off as a journey of, of like academics and you know, you know, trying to further my life as an adult. But it really was the journey of trying to find who I really was. And to this day, I mean, I still am like re, like kind of reflecting on my life and what I could have done better. But I feel like I'm so much more confident in myself. Mm-hmm. It's so and I know myself to a certain extent that I don't think I ever would if I had stayed at home. Yeah. And I feel like also my family respects me because of that because I did something that a lot of people wouldn't have expected or from me or from anybody else. And I come home and I'm confident. I say what I I say what I say. I say what I said. <laughs> I, I, I'm willing. I'm willing to shake the table where I need to. <laughs> Because it's yeah. something that I believe in. And sometimes people may not agree with me and that's okay. But at least I know that's what I believe in and I'm not I'm not um second guessing myself or I'm not um compromising who I am. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my biggest advice. It it could what it, that advice could go for your job, could yeah. be for school, could be for life, everything. Like but don't be afraid to take that risk because you will there's, what's the, what do you have to lose honestly mm-hmm. like I mean like at least try try and especially for young um, students who are still kind of figuring out where they want to go for college or what they want to do after high school think about it like just think is 
do you want do you really want to do what you want to do or is that or, or do you really want to do what is on the table right now or is that what has been told like for you to do like do you want to read are you in it fully and sometimes you need guidance and that's okay but really take that risk and really try and figure out who you are because i know it's it's it's, it's interesting yeah, it's so necessary. Yeah. And so don't be afraid. I think another reason, another advice, I know I'm like rambling here. It's okay. I'm, just... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm another... taking in all this wisdom. So I'm, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I so can I, listen to you talk forever. So... This well. <laughs> but I was just like, another thing is like, you need to learn to get out of your, your comfort zone. Mm. And in order for you to really appreciate what people are going through, because I think especially this is so important now in the climate that we're currently in, everyone has opinions and beliefs yeah. and everyone is holding on to those and no one wants to listen to what anyone else has to say, mm-hmm. be it you, be it someone else, be it the right, left, whatever. Like it's important for you to get out and listen to what people have to say mm-hmm. and try and in, in, like immerse yourself in that position because even if you don't believe in what they're doing or, or like or you are totally against it you can see where the context is coming from even if it's something that is completely abhorrent and you don't agree you can be like okay but wait like this is i see what this person is, is saying where they're coming from it's not right and they need to check it because you need to be able to look at different contexts and like listen and like figure out why they say that even the worst opinions because even when they're saying all these things you be like okay this is coming from a, a level of ignorance and because of the history or something like that you need to be able to get out of your comfort zone and listen to what people are saying and really figure it out like what like why mm-hmm. why why so yeah definitely people need to do that and yeah argue Learn how to argue without catching feelings about that <laughs> argument. Yeah. I feel like that's something, like, I feel like we're all going to have to do that. But, like, yeah, it's okay if you don't agree with everything someone else says. <laughs> and that's something I'm, I'm learning very much because, yes, I know it sounds political, but even for me, like, even in my professional career and my academic career, a lot of people did not agree with what I wanted to do. Hmm. I remember my advisor at Michigan State, she was like, you're not going to get into med school. And I was like, okay, fine. I don't really want to go into med school right now. I want to do this and this and this. And then I got into to grad school and I got it. She was like, I'm proud of you because even when I... <laughs> no, no, no. I love her because like, I literally, when she told me, she told me like, I think it's very difficult for international students to get into to med school or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I remember I was so upset, but I was like, I just sent an email. I was like, look, I know this is your job as an advisor. You're supposed to keep it real and tell me what it is. And then, like, yeah. I understand that. But I also need your support. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm going to put in the steps that I need to do to get to where I want to go. If I don't want to go to med school, fine. I get it. But I know that I have steps that I need to take. And I'm going to apply to public health school. This is what I want to do. And she's like, you know what? I commend you for saying that. Because most people would just be like, oh, okay, shut off. And like, but you know what you want to do and you're driven. And I did it. And to this day, like, she was like, I'm really proud of you because you could have just kept quiet and be mad and just not. But you told me what you wanted. And, mm-hmm. like, a lot of 
and tell the advisors and tell people like you told me what you wanted you did it i ne- i barely had to listen or check in with you like you knew what you were doing and you were able to fulfill your goal so yeah, yeah do it mm-hmm. tell people <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's... i think that's the advice i can give right yeah. now i mean that's that's plenty that's plenty i feel like you're like inspiring me right now so i i appreciate it on a personal level i'm sure other oh, people listening will appreciate ah, it too <laughs> no i i need to edit this a lot because i'm pretty sure like there's some parts where it did not make any sense <laughs> No, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I probably won't even have to do that much at all. Um, but uh, two, just two last questions. Um, I'm not going to ask you what's next because I've always hated when people ask that question. Because for me, oh, it's like I always put <laughs> pressure on myself trying to figure out what I'm going to do, trying to make things work. I don't need extra pressure from outside people. Well, what are you going to do next? It's like, let me live. Not? Right. Exactly. So I'm not going to ask you that. What I will ask is you've graduated. You're kind of like free and clear right now. Just chilling. What would you like to do? Where would you like to go? Do you want to stay long term here in the States? I mean, what what? thinking about where you are right now um just what would you like to do so right now okay so short term get a job Mm -hmm. i think that's important um but long term i think i do see myself i do see myself staying in the u.s for a little longer Mm -hmm. um but i also know that my heart is home yeah so i think over the next i i i've like when I started my um, graduate program, I gave myself a seven-year plan, and so now I'm down to my five years. And my five years is like, you know, getting a good job, securing funds, saving money, so I can buy like land back home. Um, also, start working professionally back home too. Like I mean, I was able to do that, but now I want to be able to work both in the U.S. And abroad, mm. and also like in, in specifically at home. So that's what I want to do. I want to focus on working um, in the healthcare field, mm-hmm. but I also mm-hmm. want to go back to my artistic roots, mm. find ways that I can, you know, incorporate my drawing and my art and everything. And um, I can't, like, I mean, I was talking to you about having a, a podcast and everything. Yeah. I want to be in entertainment, but like in a healthcare way. Mm-hmm. So something that incorporates artistic creativity and everything, but also still getting the point across when it comes to health rights, health advocacy, mm-hmm. and really championing like marginalized um, groups um, here and abroad. Um, so that's something I, I I really want to do. I'm kind of working towards that. Um, but yeah, I want I want everybody to to know what it means to be healthy also know what it means to have their rights in check and what it means to have good health rights mm-hmm. and i also feel like there's so much stuff that's happening in zimbabwe right now politically and things you know elections are coming up all this stuff all those exciting things and i feel like people are, are voicing their opinions now everywhere yeah so i, I feel like that's something that i want to be part of and be part of it in a health healthcare way mm. so yeah we'll see 
I mean, all that sounds um, awesome. I'm, and I'm, I'm glad that you're still committed to, you know, um, finding a way to sustain all the different facets of yourself, you know, um, not just the health thing, but like the podcast. And I remember you, you used to like design fashion too. I don't know if you've ever considered dabbling back in that, but you know, um, I, I think will. it's good that you don't. <laughs> I think it's good that you don't constrain yourself. You know, you try to mm. honor all the different parts of the the that make you you. So, I think that's that's really admirable. Um, and uh, last question: Where can people yeah. find you? Is there any like website or like social media handle or project that you want people to know about? Do you want people to find you? If you don't, I can understand that too. But you know. I don't mind if they find me. <laughs> um, I'll probably not be handing out my number today. Right. Um, right. <laughs> um, but they can always find me on Instagram. Um, I just I like I like that's more like a personal thing for me, so they can always feel free to get to know me. Um, probably send me a message too if okay. if I don't know you or something like that. Um, but um, okay. uh, my name on Instagram, uh, my handle is the uh, N C M, mm-hmm. and it's my full name Nyashazashi C Makoni. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, I think. Um, it's N.C. Makoni. Mm-hmm. Again, that's easier. Um, and email to, you know, Makoni, M-A-K-O-N-I-N-Y at gmail.com if you ever need me. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, that's pretty much it. So yeah, keep that's an eye out for your podcast me. too, right? Yes, hopefully. Oh my gosh, I don't. Wanna, this will keep me accountable. But like uh, me and my friend, yeah, we're trying to do a podcast. So hopefully, it works out. But we will have it if it's not this this month. It'll be next month or something. But I swear, by yeah. the end of the year, if something will come out, yeah. um, I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, I'll I'll spread the word. Yeah, I will. And I will too. Once you get it started, I'll take some time at the beginning of whatever episode that comes out at that time, and I'll just be like, "Hey, like check this out," you know. So I'll make sure I'll try yeah, and share it with you a lot, especially with editing and all this stuff. So yeah, yeah you. Well, I'm learning as I go, so uh, you know, I'm kind of teaching myself. But I would be glad to, you hey. know, once you get started, to help you as well, whatever I can do. Um, but thank you so much. We've been talking for like over two hours and, um, I just am so grateful that you set aside the time. I'm so happy to see your beautiful face. You're just always so pretty. I can't handle it. Your skin is perfect and your hair is just everything. And, um, I don't know why. I just, you were there with your black girl magic over there looking so cute. Oh my gosh! I'm really, no, it was a wonderful experience. Yes. Thank you so much. It was wonderful seeing your beautiful face oh, too. Thank you. I really am just so grateful for your friendship, and I'm so inspired and just in awe of everything that you've been able to do, and just how you're able to touch people just by being yourself. And um, I, uh, I just wish you nothing but the best. Honestly. Um, and I honestly think you, I, I'd appreciate, cause I know you talked about some stuff that was really personal. Some of it was kind of dark and I just appreciate you just being open and willing to talk about 
you know, what you've been through. I feel like that's going to help a lot of people and it's just going to be a really engaging story for people to take in. So just thank you so much. I I can't, I'm so grateful, honestly. (laughs) No, girl, No, thank you for having me. I'm I'm an open book. I feel like I might have probably (laughs) over-rambled and I apologize in advance. But no, like, um, I'm just glad that, you know, I'm really thankful that you asked me to do this. Mm-hmm. When you asked me to do this, I was like, um, why would you want to hear from me? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I wish you the best. Thank Please you. continue keeping in touch. You know me, I'm, I'm a struggle person, but once I'm in touch, <laughs> I am there. So, <laughs> okay. All right. Alright, well, love you so much. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, okay? Too. <laughs> See you. Bye. Say hi to everyone, please. Don't I will. forget. I will. <laughs> Alright, bye, Nyasha. Bye. See you. Alright, y'all, there it is. Thanks to Nyasha for spending uh so long talking to me (laughs) uh in the moment it didn't seem that long it went by so quickly but i appreciate your time nonetheless and i appreciate everything that you had to share and i appreciate you uh just continuing to live your life like it's golden whatever that happens to mean at the moment and wherever that happens to take you so uh, i hope your summer's off to a good start and i hope you like how this thing all turned out And to the rest of you listening, I just want to remind you to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook. And also, as always, if you have questions or comments to share or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show and talk about any international experiences you've had um, as a student currently or in the past, then um, feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. Uh, so this week was Nyasha's turn. Next week I have another friend. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you can sense a, a theme going on here as far as the selection of guests is going. But next week I have another friend of mine um, who's going to talk about a summer she spent. Well, actually two summers that she spent in Japan. One while in high school and one while in college. So that'll be super fun. I hope you're looking forward to that next week. But until then... Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.